Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If you could describe this dinner with racers, which you very generously provided and is way nicer than anything we've had before, what would your one word be? Hungry. Yeah. That's Not a full, anymore, though. Full, well, <laughs> full plate of food in front of them. Yeah. You and I are. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, talked the whole time. I didn't get a chance to eat. So. <laughs> so, well, enjoy your cold steak. <laughs> and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. <laughs> Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley alongside my co-host and partner, Sean Heckman. And we are currently on day 34 of a 13,000 mile, 25 state covered road trip to get you 29 episodes of your favorite podcast in motorsports that's based on eating and racing. So if you're going to do a road trip based on racing, stopping at Indianapolis seems like an obvious choice, but stopping at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is an honor. And uh, this is probably one of those special episodes we had, not just because of the guest, but the incredible venue that was put for us. Probably the coolest experience we may ever have in the way of dining setups. So we met up with Mr. Doug Bowles. Yeah, Doug's the uh, current president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and also a former partner in the Panther racing team of the IRL. He's also stepdad to IndyCar's Connor Daly. If there's one thing that can be said about Doug, it's that he lives Eason Breeze, the speedway. Walking through the track, kind of having him drive us to our parking spot, meeting up with him, watching how he interacted with everybody at the track. This dude loves what he does. He's clearly a man of the people in terms of the way that the entire operation is run. Uh, and he really, really rolled out the red carpet for us. When we talk about the season of holy shit, well, this sits there perfectly in line because holy shit. We got to eat on the Yard of Bricks. It was literally about 50 yards from the front straightaway start-finish line where we sat down to a meal prep just for us, and it was the full spread. We had steak, chicken, lobster mac and cheese, cookies, the milk and little milk jugs like the Indy 500 winners get. It was just incredible. So uh, some of the things we learned about, how you go from a law degree to running a speedway, how Doug and our friend Eddie Gossage have a lot in common. Including guessing my age. <laughs> and respect, respect, respect for the Speedway. But like Ryan said, an incredible spread, all catered by Levi Foods and the chef, Mr. Travis Taylor. Who was very nice and welcoming. And of course, this wouldn't be possible if we weren't taken there by an Acura MDX driven by Mr. Dario Franchitti. Are you really going to eat that? Dude, it's my, get, get your own. Why don't you bring your own food on this? Plus, it's a bag of chips. I thought you ate healthy. In any case, thank you to our sponsor. Yeah, you, say you, it. You do it this time. No, no one wants do to. It, do it. it this time. I don't do it like you do. Come on, man. Just try it. Continental Tire. No, try it like no, I do. No, you do it. Do it like I do. No, you do it. Do it like I do. Continental Tire. Come on. Continental Tire. All right, I'll do it. Continental Tire. No, that's how I do it. Right. No, not the same. All right. Ready? Yep. Continental Tire. Haha, <laughs> tricked you. Oh. Doug Bowles. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Um, so, uh, so, holy 
Yeah, I think that's that's a. Uh, so, uh, your your PR gentleman, Paul Kelly. He and I have known each other for a while, and and um, I think he may have oversold us. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we don't deserve a private dining with like fully catered. I don't know, buffet is the wrong word, but a fully catered spread with uh, the main straight is our. I mean, we could throw from. one of those dinner rolls and hit the start finish line. Yeah. Literally from where we're sitting. And obviously by now you've probably seen the photos from social media if you're listening to this. But uh, yeah, we're here with Doug Bowles, who's the president of Internet in Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm speechless. Yeah, we kind of. And uh, just gave us a tour. We got to go to the top of the pagoda, like on the roof, on the roof, and see the view. I mean, this is a dumb idea Sean and I had a couple of years ago to kind of have an excuse to talk and meet people in the industry and like kind of yeah. get the stories out. And now we're standing on the front straightaway doing selfies with you at, you know, probably the greatest racetrack in the world. And this isn't really what we expected. Yeah. Well, there, there are worse places to have dinner. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, but I think you, you kick this off with the sentiment I have every day when I get to come to work here and get to be the president of Speedway. It's, it is, uh, it is one of those holy moments, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you can't, do uh, you think about the history and what this place means? Um, the people that have been here, the people that have spent their whole life trying to win here, yeah. you know, lost their life because they so badly wanted to win here. Right. It is a, it's an amazing place. And uh, I know that the folks that listen to you care about our sport and uh, they probably, probably live vicariously through this moment. Right. And, and yeah. it's a, uh, it's amazing. But I feel that way every day when I come in here, it, it is a magical place. I think Sean and I kind of recognized that right off the bat when we met with you. Just you know, we met with you over in your main office, but then walking through the paddock with you, and I hope I'm not stealing your no, no, where no, you were go going with this, but like you know almost everybody by name, first yeah. name, and they're all very friendly and understanding. Obviously the boss, <clears throat> but it's more of a personal. Like the guy driving the street, the, the track sweeper <laughs> yeah. stopped to take our photo for us, and you just gave him like a friendly way of like, "Hey, you got a second? Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, no problem." And but he comes over and he's helping us take photos. There wasn't a name you didn't know. Right. They didn't know you. Everybody knew you by first name. And they call you by first name. I yeah. didn't catch a single Mr. Bowles. Yeah. Like, hey, Doug. But yeah. like you there knew everybody. And when they do, I, I, you know, I correct them. Right. Yeah. Well, right. I, th I think part of that's because, um, you know, this this place doesn't work without the hundreds of people the that people, are here full time right. and the thousand yeah. that put our events on. Yeah. And I, I really do try and get to know their names, yeah. get to yeah. know who they are and what they like and spend a minute and thank them and shake their hands. And, um, you know, the best part of my job is celebrating other people's victories. Right. And, <laughs> you know, for, for me, um, I want them to know that. And, and the, the, the good of that is, you know, they, they know me and they feel like they talk to me. And the bad of that is, is, they feel like they can talk to you. So, you, <laughs> right. so yeah, oftentimes exactly. somebody will say, hey, I need to talk to you about it, and you, and you end up in these conversations. But the other thing I think they know about me is when the first person's in the door, typically I'm here. And when the last person leaves, typically I'm here. And I, I just believe that I want them to know that even though I've made this decision to wear a tie right. that they can count on me to be picking up the trash in fact i think i'm still carrying you did. some you, trash yeah. he picked up i don't know if you saw <laughs> yeah, it but he, he picked did. up like three little paper cups that were just kind of on the pit lane i was like yep writing that down yeah, and, yeah. yeah. you know and and so for me it's it's uh you know we're a team and it does it doesn't function without everyone on the team feeling like they're part of it i, I mean the way i would define it you're not the president of indianapolis motor speedway you're the mayor <laughs> I, i'm serious about yeah. this like you walk around knowing that everyone Shaking has hands. to vote for you yeah, exactly. and this has to be part of it and in a sense you need that confidence everybody around here but it, it blew our minds I well, think. Walking and, in. Yeah. and on race day i mean i that's what i do on race day right yeah. so so this this year on race day i did 
I was over 100 laps of the 500 actually in the grandstands, somewhere over 25,000 steps. And I think it was like 40 flights of stairs yeah. just going up and down. And um, the gal who really keeps me uh, on schedule, Lisa, ha- I said, look, I want a list of our best customers. And I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and shake hands and thank customers. And, yeah. and for me, people say, hey, you get to watch the Indy 500. I barely watch the start. Yeah. And then I spend the rest of the time thanking fans because without the fans and without them knowing that we care enough yeah. to go hang out with them, they're not coming back. Right, and, right. And, and that's not, I mean, the 500 has a little bit of staying power because of 108 years of this facility's history and 101 runnings of the 500. But the sport, in order for it to grow, it, we, it, they, we're competing against everything, right? So you, ha- they have to know you care. Yeah. You know, I call 10 customers a night on my way home. So I get done with this dinner, get in my car, and between here and home, it's a 35-minute driver. So I'll, I'll try and call 10 customers. Typically, I'll reach about three of them. A lot of them, I just leave voicemail. Right. And I mean, these aren't like... These are just anybody? Anybody. So I typically say to the, say, say to the team, I <laughs> No, will, it's not. And then hang up. Like, <laughs> so so typically crazy. what I'll say to the team is give me, give me the list. I want a, a list in thirds. I like a third that are, have like one in three years of seniority here. Okay. And then I get some between 10 and 15. And then I try and talk, talk to somebody that's been 40 or 50 years at the Speedway. Wow. And it's, sometimes you get you say, hey, yeah, this is Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just call him to say thank you for being a customer. Uh, we don't get to celebrate 102nd running the 500 next May without you. And sometimes people are like, okay, great, goodbye, because they're sure well, I'm going to sell them something. Yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and then occasionally you'll get that guy who goes, oh, my gosh, I want to tell you about my story of the 500, how I fell in love with Uncle Bill's backyard during Memorial Day, yeah. week, whatever it is. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to come to the Speedway. And for me, the best part of the job is hearing somebody's story. Why do they, why do they love this place? Sure. Why do they keep coming back? Why did they pass it on to their son because they got it from their dad? And, you know, yeah. It's just a cool place. Right. Yeah. The, the first thing you said to us when, you, when we met you, was, you know, I was commenting you on your, your shoes that match your suit. And, uh, <laughs> well, you just said in general, you look nice with nice shoes. You look very nice. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, but you said when you took the job, you're going to wear a tie because the brand deserves, the brand deserves a tie. And, and the, the, when you tour this run, everything seems to be about the brand deserves and it's about respect at right. this place. And, uh, I mean, you're living it. I gave you the, I'll give you that. But that's well, all. I don't have, it, I don't have a question. It's, it's just like. <laughs> but it's, but yeah. you, you guys know motorsport really yeah. well. And the one thing that makes us different from anybody else is our history and tradition. Sure. If we don't have that history and tradition, we're a 108-year-old facility. I mean, we're not Texas Motor Speedway, right? We're 108 yeah. years old. We invested $100 million, but we yeah. still don't look like Texas Motor Speedway. We don't I'm, have some of the amenities that some of those Well, I'm going to say, though, Gossage, if you're listening. Which he's not. Which, he's totally listening. <laughs> um, yeah, Gossage did a great job those serving cases, his food. Those quesadillas, quesadillas were excellent. Were excellent. But the, yeah. the stakes have been raised, literally. Literally, there <laughs> yeah, are, there are stakes. raised stakes up yeah, here. Yeah, let's, so, set the, let's set the table here in case somebody didn't get to see the pictures or whatever. Yeah. We're sitting in literally, you know, a stone serve from the start-finish line on the bottom of the pagoda right next to the victory circle. And there's, like, the NASCAR Xfinity, Brickyard 400, like, you know, photo walls. Uh, step and repeat. That, that have been up here. Yeah. Um, we have Andretti wine. Yep, as which, you do. Which is, you got to have it. Yep. Uh, we also have some local beer. What was this beer again? Uh, that is a Sun King. And then we also have Miller Lite. Miller Coors. You can't have a racetrack with Miller Coors That's here. right. Get yeah. that sponsor plug Good. in there. I like it. As a fan of Miller Lite, I'm with you. And then we have the food, which, um, again, <laughs> there's miniature bottles of milk with Indy, the Indy 500 logos all over it. Yeah. We have a cookies plate, which, you know, is already too above our budget. <laughs> and then it goes right into, like, steaks, chicken breast, lobster mac and cheese, roasted baby 
carrots, and then like a little salad plate, a little yep. cheese plate. I mean, this is by far the nicest dinner with racers that will ever happen. Exactly. And <laughs> there is a chicken sandwich on the side. There of the is table a chicken well. sandwich that looks like it came from a drive-through window somewhere. Yep. So just well, for I'm you. Good. So yeah, you're yeah. good. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but um, I, I get the feeling this is kind of your 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 kind of deal. You're like if we're doing something and we're it's based it if it's based on the Indy 500 and, and, and the Speedway. It's going to be up up standards. Is that a Doug Bowles thing for Doug Bowles at home or everywhere, or is that because you know what this place means to? I, if you saw me at home, you would know it's not. It's, okay. It's really what it's really what this place it's really what this place means to not just me or not just the Holman George family, but mm-hmm. what it means to our thousands of fans who come back every year and bring new people, and and I think we have a standard to live up to for them as right. much as anything. And and our our our, our food partners at Levy. Um, they're the same way, and and when I called Therese when you guys were coming and said, "Hey, can you can you help out?" She said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do something." And then we come in, it's this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's because we want to we want the impression to be the right impression. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I think you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Yeah. So you're from Danville, Indiana. I am. Which when I looked it up, it's it's small. When people say small town Indiana, you, nine thousand people, and that's today. And that's new. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, when I was, it jumped something like three thousand people yeah. three years ago. I had a hundred and sixteen kids in my high school class. Right. So you are a small town Indiana kid that gets to grow up to be the president of the Indianapolis well, and, and like Indiana th- like you went to Butler right yep. and then IU for law school Correct. I mean Indiana through and through co-owner of uh, and did you help start Panther Racing yeah, yeah okay I so did. you helped start yeah. and you were one of the owners and that was which, one of the flagship IRL teams which, yeah and, exactly yeah, yeah. won the 500 you know championships we didn't win the 500 though. you did not no we won two championships and I, always, and I always think Hornish won Hornish no he did it with yeah, Penske he with did Penske, when he went right. to, with Penske and that's one of those ones where Man, you you'd give up. So we won 15 races and two championships. So you trade the whole thing to win this thing. Yeah, exactly. You run last exactly. at every other one of those right. races you ran uh, because because uh, as we sort of said, you were either running at the 500, you were practicing to run for it, right. where everything else right. was. But it was yeah, it was a cool experience. And certainly f- growing up in Danville, you know, you're, I was 30 minutes from the speedway. My dad was the United States Auto Club yearbook editor in the 60s, right. early 60s. So I I got my love for the sport through him. Right. And we we grew up, and that's we like we followed IU basketball and Indy 500 and, yeah. and the Indy Car Series, the Big Car Series, right. Champ Car, yeah. and all that as it was going on. And and you could never dream that, yeah. You know, I I, I oftentimes think, gosh, I wish my first 500. I was 10. It was 77. Foyt was my hero. He wins his fourth. Perfect way to have your first Indy 500. Right. I wasn't allowed to come to the 500 until I was 10 because Dad was like, when you go, I want to make sure you're old enough and you are going to pay attention. Appreciate it. Yeah, 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 he yeah, could have yeah. brought nice. me here when I was six or seven, yeah. right? And I've been fine. Yeah. But it, looking back, it means more. I so wish you could go back in time and just tell that 10-year-old kid as he's walking through gate one for the yeah. first time, holding his dad's hand, just so right. excited, going, guess what? Right. You'll, you know, 30 one day fi- 35 years yeah. from now, you're going to One day there will be a thing yeah. called a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you will be guest number five. <laughs> <laughs> of season three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's got to be the Indiana dream, right? If you're from here and you know how big of a deal this is and you like racing and, and all that. I mean, because you've done so much. And I have no idea how old you are, but you don't look old. 51. 51. I mean, Sean is... How old do you think I am? I have no idea. Gossage yes, guessed very wrong. Yes. Take a guess. We won't judge you, I promise. So I would guess... Close to my age. <laughs> Did Gossage call you? No. No, okay. I'm 38, but a very hard 38. 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what we fine. learned today was that, what, Dixon's a year younger than you? Yeah, he's one yeah, year younger yeah, than yeah, me. Yeah. You can, I mean, if you look at the two of us together, it's pretty obvious it's we're the scruff. same age. You got the yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been a long day. It's been a long day. It's not. Yeah, but it you're, like, not. you're like a kid, though. You're yes. Like, uh, Still you got it. Yeah, yeah. And you're, I think, well, you're like a perfect number right now, right? Yeah, 33. Which is. Yeah, I'm going to stay there for a while. Pretty important number for this place. Yeah, I'm staying there for a long time. <laughs> it couldn't have gone Gossage. better. Yeah, yeah. Eddie got. What did so he what say? What did Eddie say? Yeah, he guessed forty-eight. Yeah, last and then, year. And then yeah. when we were like, well, we also had a really hard. Okay, day yeah, we'll tell you that story yeah, in a second. But basically, he went forty-eight, and then we started laughing, and and and, and Sean's like, "Come on, man!" He's like, "No, nah, forty-eight. <laughs> like he didn't. He wasn't like, oh, my bad." He's like, "No, nah, that's what you look like. You look like." <laughs> Eddie is <laughs> yeah. a class. I'm, he is. I, you know, I told you guys earlier, one of my favorite parts of the year is the NASCAR banquet, not because it's the NASCAR banquet, but because I get to have breakfast on NASCAR banquet morning with Eddie. Yeah. yeah. And just to sit and listen to Eddie's stories yeah. because Eddie is such a character. And yeah. when you start talking about promoters, you know, there's part of me that goes, man, I wish I could be Eddie. And then I go, okay, but I represent the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so you can't be Eddie, really. Sure. But you can live vicariously through some of the stuff he oh, does. Yeah. He is, he is uh, you can learn a lot from him. I didn't get to go to the Texas race last year but my wife and our youngest went and I said you got to stop by and go see Eddie so uh, Carter and, and Beth sent me a, a selfie with uh, Carter and, and and Beth in Eddie's office you know just right. because they know how much I like Eddie I mean, yeah. he just is, there's something cool about Eddie Gossage now that we're back and sitting we were just talking about Randy Lanier as we were uh, getting our food who raced here who did race here mm-hmm. yep. rookie of the year yep. yep in 1986 and uh, you were asking us if we ever read the actual case documentation yep. and it occurred to me like Oh, yeah, you're a lawyer Uh, (laughs) because this is the kind of thing you probably do for fun. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, in in 86, I was a sophomore in college, right? So everybody that ran the Speedway was a hero. And, you know, Rookie of the Year, somebody that had run here. And that was in that era, too, where you had that sort of the drug element that was involved. And and I think that people knew it, right? But nobody really talked about it. You always wonder where that person's money come from. And then in law school, fun for me was to go read federal cases that had to do with racing so whether it was liability cases it could be i didn't care whether it's motorcycles or cars or whatever Mm -hmm. it was just fun to read the cases and and understand what happened and that was one of those cases that when you started reading the story and just the amount of how it started out so small right and then it turns into this massive yeah Yeah, this massive production and and uh, it's hard to believe that it went on as long as it did but the case is pretty fascinating to read. You could Google search that and see that, and yeah. it's it's a it's worth a read. Well, I would say you got a 35 minute drive home. You've got <laughs> something you can listen to, but apparently you have three more phone calls you have to make. So <laughs> I got uh, ten. I got to make. I probably talked to three people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just call Randy. Uh, we got his number. He'd answer. Uh, he would. Um, that could be it. Well, I don't know if you can if that's how that is as far as respect to the brand, as far as guest of honor to come back one day. But uh, we don't really go through people's careers chronologically but you're kind of an exception to me because you have such a unique story of how you ended up here um and so so walk us through this so you you obviously you grew up not too far in danville i don't know how far danville is is 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 minutes minutes okay Uh just to the west uh and then you go to butler for undergrad was being in racing something that you knew from the get going was what you wanted to do and driving wasn't a thing or what well, I think like every kid growing up in Indiana loves the speedway, you think you can go drive. And then, sure. <clears throat> and then you quick re- quickly realize that that's not, you know, when I was standing in line, that's not the talent I got. From, God didn't say you're going to be a race car right? Guy, right? And, uh, so, but I love the sport, so I, I chose journalism as my major because I figured at minimum I could write about it, okay. right? So, so for me, it, that, that it was would, racing through and through. Yeah, it was, racing is always where I wanted to okay. be. I grew up in a ha- – my, my dad is – or was, he's retired, was a, a circuit court judge. So I grew up oh. in a house where – 
being a lawyer is important. Yeah. And politics. Okay. So my first job really out of school was uh, working at the Indiana State House, um, doing PR for folks in the Indiana State House. And I tried to figure out, and it was actually the year that, um, I want to say it was, it was either 80, 89 or 90 when uh, Davy Jones won the 24 hour race. And um, it was uh, Walkinshaw Racing, I believe, out of northern Indiana, won, won the event. And so a buddy of mine, Ron Green, who actually used to be PR here, was PR at Charlotte and uh, has, has, was also into racing. We thought, oh, my gosh, we ought to honor him on the house floor. So for us to try and figure out ways to take our passion and, and really make it part of what we were doing. So that you know, we did that, which was a, a pretty cool opportunity. And then I ended up doing some internship work at Raceway Park or Lucas Oil Raceway Park, as they call it now, on the Oval. So I was doing, back when the PR, um, the PR room I down there was, was, huge. A, was a little trailer, and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, you had fax machines, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so I would work my, work the weekends and Thursday Night Thunder, and I ended up working for uh, Terry Lingner and the folks at oh. uh, Lingner Group Productions for a while. <laughs> we were just talking about <laughs> yeah, Do funny. you still have his contact? We're looking to meet him on Friday. <laughs> uh, Terry, yeah, we can, we can hook you up with Terry. Right. Um, so I ended up uh, doing spotting for him on his Thursday Night Thunders and, oh, cool. and Saturday Night Lightnings and those shows. And, okay. Um, and in, in between there, then I ended up working for the mayor of Indianapolis, was his uh, director of governmental corporate affairs, was his uh, assistant campaign manager when he ran. But in the middle of the campaign, we were, he knew that on the weekends I would go off to Raceway Park and work yeah. or just do, do whatever I could. Sure. I did some SCCA racing, so I was racing on my own, knowing that that's not what I was going to do. When you do it, you were actually driving. I was driving. Just but, but it was a hobby, fun. right? Yeah, I knew fun, I, yeah. I didn't want to be the next AJ Ford or Mario Andretti, but I love being around cars and sure. driving. And, and we went to a business meeting on the on the week of the u.s nationals uh, where they invited a bunch of local leaders in and business leaders at raceway park and as we were leaving uh steve who's we're, he's still running for mary's a prosecutor at the time or, or just had retired as being a prosecutor and he said uh man do you look at all these license plates there's they're from all over the place here i say oh yeah this is the biggest drag race in the world he goes well i thought all we had was the indy 500 and i didn't and this is be before nascar's even here at the speedway so and i said no this is this is a big deal he said, well, you know what? I really don't like the fact that you don't work for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So let's figure out a way how to take your passion and make it part of what you're doing for me and for the city. So then we created uh, his, what we call the Mayor's Motorsports Task Force with the idea that we were trying to attract business uh, to come to Indianapolis. And uh, the, first, the first one we landed after Steve was elected was uh, Derek Walker. So Derek Walker moved his shop to, Indi to Indianapolis, and, and uh, we started, started building it from there. So I've always tried to keep some thread of this, uh, you know, the... Uh, the sport in what I do, um, ter Terry was a big, was really instrumental in even going to the next step, which right. ultimately and, was... And just for perspective, since Terry is such an insight, Terry Lingner was sort of like the TV producer Terry at Lingner Group Productions for decades. Um, Thursday Night Speed Thunder, Week. Speed Week, all yep. that stuff came through Lingner. So I hate, sorry, I'm chewing. No, 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 that, no, that's, no the, that, yeah. that's what this podcast is. Yeah, eat, yeah. please eat. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that was... Uh, you know, that was was a cool opportunity to do that and stay in the sport. And then uh, we, uh, I did a lot of spotting for drivers. So I spotted mostly IndyCar drivers, did a little bit of NASCAR stuff and uh, had an opportunity in, in late 90s, middle of 97 to start Panther Racing with a group of folks, Jim Harbaugh being one, Terry Lingner was another, local car dealer here in town, John Barnes, who'd been around the sport yep. forever. And we sort of got lucky because our proposal to Pennzoil in 97, as, it, as you look back on it, um, Pennzoil had made a commitment, verbal commitment to AJ Foyt Racing for oh. 98 and beyond. Okay. And then the Texas RE AJ incident happens in, in Pitt Lane. Right. 
and pencil I says oh man he's a Houston guy but yeah. we, we you know we got to figure out something, something else to do really so based on that one incident so the next piece so, it can happen. so the wow. next so the next thing really then is they think okay we're going to do the, the treadway deals you know treadway had mm -hmm. some success yeah the speedway and, Ike and, yeah. and it was back in the day when they tested oil at the speedway and and they were a uh, a, a Pennzoil team mm -hmm. that turns out they were running mobile in the car. <laughs> so the next thing you know, so then, so then all of a sudden there's this last, what the, the, it comes down to Robbie Gordon who was trying to start, out, start his program but wasn't really committed to just IndyCar, mm. was still doing his NASCAR stuff. Right. And so then it's, this, it's these guys from Indiana who, who sat down one night on a napkin and drew up this plan and then ended up building the presentation. Jack Swarbrick, who's now the uh, athletic director at Notre Dame, really helped us pull it together and then helped oh. us present to uh, present to uh, Pennzoil. We get a call in the middle of August that says, uh, hey, I uh, think you should uh, come on down to Houston. Let's talk about you guys starting a race team. Then well, we, ended uh, up buy, we ended up buying Felix Sabatis' old car, right. old year old cars at that point right. in time. And uh, we worked out of the shop, or out of the garages here in the Speedway for a few months until we got a shop up on the north side of town and then mm -hmm. went racing with Scott Goodyear. And then some random dude named Sam Hornish and that was that was a really f fun one too I mean it, we were that was we knew that Scott was going to leave us so Scott was with us 98 99 and 2000 yeah. he'd won he won three races for us um had a chance of winning a championship finished second in the championship one year and we just really felt like it was time to to make a change right and, and Scott knew it and we were looking at Alex Barron um Greg Ray again yeah and Sam Hornish, and we were sort of leaning towards Greg Ray again because we thought well, that's where we were well, at the that, beginning. I mean, Greg had yeah. been really good with Men with Menards. Yeah, and I mean, here in 2017, his name may not be so household as Sam Hornish. But he was but fast, but with, yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, with with Menards and that program, yeah. I mean, he was he was winning races. Yeah. So. And then Kentucky happens. Yeah, where Sam and Jacques Lazier go side by side the Kentucky race for the you know 30 laps. Yeah. yeah, and I get a call in the middle of the race from my wife who says, "Oh my gosh." I, you guys should be picking Sam. He he tested for us. We liked him. He was really young. He just yeah. was so quiet, right? And we're right. like, he he just doesn't talk. How's mm -hmm. you know? Pennzoil's not going to understand yeah, yeah, yeah. this. You need this. And so we are immediately as soon as the race is over, we're like, okay, we just we got to go. We just got to make a decision, and it's Sam. And that's how we ended up. Just that that Kentucky race was what made us sort of lean from. He was probably third on the list behind right. Greg and Alex, and yeah. and yeah. Uh, the and then we just thought, okay, we're going to take a flyer, and then we ended up taking him to taking him to Pennzoil to make sure they were okay with him. Uh, brought him into Nordstrom here in Indianapolis, got him clothes, <laughs> got him dressed up. And the neat thing about Sam, he was, and he still is, he's just a great, humble, Midwestern kid, right? right? And uh, so as we were negotiating our deal with him, one of the things he was like, I just, I, I really, can I get, can we give me a car? I don't need to own it, but can you get, get me a car for the whole year? And we're like, yeah, sure. What do you want? He goes, a oh, Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so he ends up, we, part of his deal is that we, we get him a Cadillac and, and, uh, <laughs> He was, he was, you know, the drivers when they're young are fun because they, they haven't gotten to that point yet where they want, they feel like well, they need money for everything right. or they're burned out and the timing. And, and we used to do radio shows early in the morning and he loved to do country radio shows because he knew when he came in, he got free CDs. You know, people <laughs> give him all the sample CDs. He goes, oh yeah, I'd do that every day if Finally. I get free CDs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then you deal with them as they get older. And it's like, I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. And yeah. I, you know, I don't care if they pay me, you know. <laughs> But he was a lot of he was he was a lot of fun and man the, he was fast yeah, he and, yeah. and then everywhere we went, you knew you had to beat Sam Hornish yeah. if you were going to win a race in the Indy Racing League back in those days and we won a couple championships and yeah and we sat down with Mike Shank last year who was his Atlantic yep. uh, yeah. team owner and and he said on an oval there was no one that could there do yeah. so there was no yeah. one better. I want to know about taking taking Sam Hornish to Nordstroms. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, was he like? Because how old is he? He was early twenties at this point. Twenty-one or twenty-two. 20, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm uh, He's Midwest guy. His wife, his wife today at that point in time is a junior in high school or something, right? At one point in time, but not with him. Oh yeah. So he's. What? <laughs> what just happened? No, 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 no. So the wife he has now, right? Right, right. Uh, Crystal. Okay. Yeah. So Sam starts dating her about the time. So he's 20, maybe, and yeah. she's 17. Okay. He goes back after his first or right before his first Indy 500 with us. He goes to the senior prom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, so he's a, I mean, he's a young kid from Ohio, right? Right. And, and uh, yeah, we took him to the Nordstrom downtown. Gary Pedigo, uh, our partner, had a, and I didn't wear suits back in those days. I was still into my, you know, khakis and a polo. Right. And uh, I took him to the guy he knew down in Nordstrom and figured out the suits thing for him, got him all, all dressed up and coached him, got him set and took him down to, uh, down to the folks. Because I'm assuming you're just like, you're wearing that. And he's like, okay. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. he, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you're part of a partnership in Panther at this point. Now, are you like in the day to day or so do you have a, a day chief, job? I was a chief operating officer. Okay. Which at that point in time, I mean, that was the dream job, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah running running how, am I, how am I doing this? And yeah. then, you know, we hire Sam. So you, so you went basically from this mayor's task force. Yeah. Uh, so well, just, I, so I was I was his, a, I was his director of governmental corporate affairs. So okay. I did all our lobbying and like real work too. Yeah, did, okay, you did real lobbying stuff. here. I lobbied in D.C. and, and okay. did all that for the for the city. So. And how old are you at this point? Uh, so this is ninety. I'm thirty two. Oh wow. So okay. uh, You know when that when that happened. So so it was that at that point in time that was the dream job. Yeah yeah I yeah. Could, you know I yeah. go to work at a race shop every day. How yeah, cool is this? Absolutely. Get to go to the racetracks and then. Man, Sam Hornish Jr. wins the first race we run with Sam Hornish at Phoenix. We go win Phoenix. We win Miami. And all of a sudden you think, we might win a championship. This yeah, is, this is absolutely. pretty cool. And then Indy comes. We struggle at Indy. He, I can't remember the first the first year. I think he spun at Indy. Ends up going a lap or two down. He felt really bad, was really mad. Sets the fastest lap of the race at, at that point in time. I mean, just because it's the way Sam was. Sure. And then we went. We won. We won five races at Texas, and maybe that's why I love Eddie so much. Yeah, sure. that, that, <laughs> place, that place was so good to us over yeah. over a period of time. Um, win that first championship and second one. And about the in 2002, when we're getting close to winning the second championship, I get a call from a guy named John Campanegro, and John used to run cart, yeah, and now yeah. represents the Andretti family, and yeah, okay. and. Hey, I'm not representing Sam. <laughs> oh, and so that so this call is coming from his people, not so, him. So the dialogue changed, sure. and I don't blame him, right? Sam's been really it's successful. Yeah, um, he's got a bright future in front of him, and we knew at that point in time that we were going to have to do a lot of work to keep him. Yeah, and fortunately, we were able to keep him that, that third year. And that third year, if you remember, is the year that Honda, Toyota, and Chevy all are mm -hmm. in the Indy Racing League at the right. same time. And Penske. And Chevy thinks, yeah, Penske's yeah. it. Well, so, so Penske's sort of been dabbling in it, even 01 and 02, right? With the 500 right? and the yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then so we're really, we're thinking Chevy's going to be okay. But we start the season out at Miami, and I think, I don't know, we, we just, you know, we were we were struggling the, the, with the motor. And Japan happens, and we know that we're in big trouble because Sam's struggling. We know he, we know yeah. somebody's talking to him, and, right. you know, you figure it's probably Penske. <laughs> And John Barnes is coming back from Japan. I didn't go to Japan because our youngest was just born and had some heart issues, and I decided to stay home. And I get a call from John. He says, hey, Steve Shannon, who was at GM at the time, you need to call him. We need to go see him in New York. I got an idea how to fix the Chevy motor problem. 
So John gets home. We start. He so he'd run into the Cosworth guys who had a V8, who sort of thought, well, maybe there's a way we could lobby to get sure. kind of bad the Chevworth yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so ultimately, <laughs> o- over the course yeah. of uh, several weeks, we get Chevy excited about it. Cosworth and Chevy meet. We start lobbying the other Chevy teams in the series to try and get them to allow the Chevy to, a, to turn into a Cosworth yeah. post Indy. And you know, and for those who don't know the history, basically Cosworth had sort of a customer engine they could rebadge as a Chevrolet. Right, exactly yeah, what yeah, they yeah, had. Yeah. yeah. So we end up getting that end up getting that done, and Sam starts winning again. Yeah, right. Yeah. You get the we get you the Chevrolet yeah, yeah. or, or, or the their their Cosworth, and sometimes to, sometime toward the end of the year, and I can't remember when it was. Um, Sam says, "Hey, I want to come see you guys. Uh, can you get ownership together? I'll meet you on whatever day it is at this." At the shop, and we think, okay. So, this, so this he is. wasn't a like at the shop kind of guy. So well, he was in, he was in the shop more than, more than you would think for a kid okay. from Ohio. So he would okay. he was over a sure. couple times a week. He, um, but he but he wanted to make sure everybody was there. And at, at the 500 that year, he'd given us all these watches, which were really cool. So we thought, ah, oh, this is great. He's in. He's yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, you yeah. know he's going to stay. And the day he comes to the shop, he comes comes walking and he's got a suit and tie on. Uh-oh. And I thought, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's no. he's dressed up. He's come in a complete. And we walk in the in the conference room, and with just tears coming out of his eyes, he's saying, I got an opportunity, and I can't pass it up. And I thank you guys for everything you've done. I'll always love I mean, it was one of the coolest. It was really, you know, bittersweet, right? Because yeah, you're sure. losing Sam, yeah. who who's winning all these races for you. But at the same time, his true character comes out in the way that he delivers the news that he knows none of us want to hear. Right. Um, and did it in such a cool way. And then went out, and, you know, he's hugging the guys in the back and thanking them for everything they've done. And we've still got a few races left yeah. to, to go. And, and you know, Sam just drove his tail off the rest of the year. It's not like he ever missed a beat. And, yeah. and, and you know, we were disappointed to lose him. But sure. that's one of those moments that I always get, like, ten moments in motorsport that yeah. really stick in my mind is just seeing him walk in with that suit and tie on and just knowing no yeah, this is why he's here. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing it was going to be miserable, and you're like, gosh, I don't even walk. And then to walk, have him just be so emotional, it's like, okay, I get it. This is yeah. And then and our guys yeah. are, like, trying to decide if they're mad or not. I say, you know, it's like the president of the United States calling you and offering you a job. It's pretty hard. Or at least yeah. back then, it would have been yeah, pretty absolutely. hard to say no. Still pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, uh, on the Penske side. Did, did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, plus, uh, you had seen him kind of grow up. Like, you, you, you have that memory as he's probably walking in the door, suit all dressed up, and Completely you're thinking, different. this is yeah. a kid I had to take to Dillard's or whatever. Yeah, to to get dressed up, and now he's coming in. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool that you recognized it in the moment. I remember um, when he won the 500 in 06. So I, I left as chief chief operating officer at the speed at the Panther at the end of the 05 season. Yeah. End up selling my ownership in 07. So in 06, um, that that race, that battle with with Marco, and I, I was standing in pit lane and as Sam wins, I'm just emotionally. It's like yes. And then I look over at all our guys and they're looking at me like. Hold it. He's not us anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just because but he was guy. so invested in right, him, yeah. it was uh, it was so really cool good. to you know cool to have him have him win that. So, kind of fast forwarding then, growing up in Indiana, hundredth Indy five hundredth uh, anniversary of the Indy five hundred, right. lap one ninety eight of two thousand eleven when there's a Panther car leading and he's about to take the white flag. <laughs> Tell me your emotion up to that point. Um, that's a tough question. Nobody's yeah. ever asked me. Oh. And it's not one that I've ever talked about. We're hard-hitting about. journalists yeah. here at Well, that's, that's one that's, so, that's, that's a tough one, too, because, you know, there's part of me that would love to have seen Panther win. Yeah. Um, but as the, as the 
promoter of the Indy 500 at that time. Because at this right? time you're the I'm the PR director of guy. PR, so yeah. I'm thinking yeah. about what's going to work from a PR standpoint. Right. right. You know, local team, JR's cool, um, but rookie, not a lot of people know. You yeah. got this guy named Dan Weldon who. Pick up ride. You and, know, yeah, yeah. and. I, I don't know. I still don't know how I really felt about it. I would have been really happy had Panther won. I right. think looking back at it, the best thing happened is that Dan Weldon won that race because yeah. there wasn't anybody uh, through the end of 2011 that loved the 500 and the Speedway more than Dan Weldon. And yeah, I often yeah. say that it didn't matter what you asked Dan Weldon. Yeah. Somehow he would talk about the Indy 500 right. and the answer. <laughs> right. I mean, he and to have him win twice was like, okay, we don't. he's not LEO who's going to end up getting a three and, and, you know, maybe get a fourth. Uh, but Dan is going to be here as a two-time winner, which is different than a one-time winner, mm-hmm. right, when you, when you get that point. Yeah, you're sort of solid at that point. You got somebody for the next 40 or 50 years that's going to be, a, is going to be visible and as a spokesperson and is going to be great, is going to be great for us. In fact, I, you know, we even had him come back to be uh, we wanted him to be the, the pace car driver for the Brickyard, and, and for a variety of reasons that didn't work, uh, mainly because, just like us at, at Indy until Jeff Gordon, it's hard to think about putting a NASCAR driver at the front of your Indy 500 sure. field. Yeah. And NASCAR, while Dan meant, meant a lot to this place, it still felt a little weird for, for to right. them, yeah, and, sure. I, and I totally you know totally get that. So we ended up having him be the grand marshal of the event, and he did he did everything. You know, Here's a guy that won the 500, really doesn't have a ride, right? I mean, that was that weird season yeah. for him, but he he just loved to be here when we were racing. Right. I video of him up in the flag stand, you know, just you know, waving the flag to kick practice <laughs> off, and, and we go do stuff, and he go, okay, what's next, boss? What can I do? What can I do, boss? <laughs> right. And he just yeah. always just wanted him. to do things. He got it. So, yeah. um, another one of my top ten moments, on the back of our pagoda, we put – the, the winners of our races on the back of the pagoda. So, um, you know, you've got the 500 winner, the, four, uh, the, the 400 winner, the Indy Lights winner. Yeah. All were on the on the backside of the pagoda each year. And we were he- here that, that weekend for Brickyard. And we were walking down the steps around the front of the pagoda. And we're walking down. All of a sudden, Dan stops. He goes, oh, my gosh, that's me. I said, yeah, it's you. He goes, I want my picture with me. Take my picture with me. <laughs> so I had this picture of Dan um, standing next, pointing at his picture of, uh, cool. uh, of himself. Yeah. Uh, because he just, I mean, Dan was just, he, yeah, he loved life in, and he literally loved this place and couldn't believe he was part of it. Yeah, and, right, right. and uh, I mean, that was, so I don't, I don't think, I, you know, I think as I look back on it, it couldn't be any better. And I, I still don't know, I don't know how I would have really reacted if Panther would have won. I'd have been happy for him. I don't sure. know how happy I would have been. Sure. Interesting. Uh, what was the reason to sort of get out and sell your steak in Panther? So a lot of it was just the fact that you're on the road all the time yeah. On, yeah, the, yeah. on the team and side. And your kids were how old at this point? So when I married Beth, she had three. The oldest is Connor, Connor Daly, right? Yeah. So, so we've got that, that piece. So you got Connor, Colin, Christian, and, and, and you got Carter, this, the youngest. And all of a sudden at that point, they're all at an age where you're gone on the weekends. Yeah, and then right. as soon as you get home, it's not like you took days off. You're right yeah. back in the shop on sure. Monday, so you never, you never saw them. And it was just the right thing as a dad and a stepdad yeah. to just get off the road. And then... So I went through 06 working for this company out of Atlanta, but working out of an Indianapolis office. Okay. So I was able to really control my travel. And then John Barnes at Panther called me and said, hey, we're going to, um, Kosuke Matsura is going to drive for us. Will you come back and call strategy for him? And mm. so I was like, oh, yeah, I've been off a year and decided to do that. And then that created friction at home because Beth was like, hey, I thought you were off the road. Now you're doing it not getting paid. Right. Yeah. You're <laughs> still an owner, but you're not yeah. getting paid for this. Right. Yeah. And the weekends were long and tough. And yeah. We weren't running well, and before Milwaukee that year, 
I had spent a little bit of time on the, on the water with, with Colin, who was a, at that point in time sort of a national level wakeboarder and just helping him get ready to compete and, and then left to go to the Milwaukee race. And Beth and I had a little disagreement over this. You know, you really need to be home. This is sure. not doing you yeah, any good. Yeah, Why yeah. are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. So I go to Milwaukee and we're a disaster at Milwaukee. <laughs> and, Coast, and, and if you run at Milwaukee and you don't stay in the groove, the minute you get out of the groove, let yeah, the fast guys over. Go, you got everything on your tires. Yeah. You right. never scrub it off. And yeah. so the first time you do that, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just one of those days where it was like, oh my gosh, car after car after car passing me. He can never, he can just, just never get in a rhythm. Yeah, sitting duck. And so I drove home. Um, just drove home that night and the next day got up and uh, called JB and the team and said, I'm done. Um, I want to sell my piece. I, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that's really, I mean, it was, re- and it was the best decision I ever made was just yeah. to get out get and, off that. and uh, focus on, on being a lawyer, being a dad, right. you know, right. those things that are, that are important. And then I think had I stayed this job, I'm not in this job now. Right. right. Well, I'm sure of that. Here's, here's the thing you say, stay a lawyer. None of this is what a lawyer does. <laughs> like, I haven't heard one thing about, about, uh, uh Doing legal documents, right. trials, nothing, nothing right. like you're this. Doing so like you're doing like strategy, you're running, you're running strategies, strategies. You're, spa- you're shopping at Nordstrom's. <laughs> like, yeah, like I've not heard one. Uh, no, we're supposed to talk about the fun stuff. Yeah, right? no, 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 yeah, no, we don't. Well, need to hear we, I want to hear how you actually earned your place. And so, uh, uh, so like, how, so most how of it was the legal background coming into any of this. So there's a lot of legal background that's that's involved in representing a brand, representing a uh, representing a driver. Sure. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to court, right? Yeah. So, so the negotiating on even it's just like lobbying for the city didn't really have much to do with being a lawyer, but it had everything to do with relationships right. and 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 building those out. So so for me, it was just go back to helping brands and helping drivers and and figuring out uh, you know, figuring out how to how piece to together your, a, a, a living in that yeah. way and still staying and staying around the sport. Right. Very sensible. So, so uh, you know, I've tried. I did one one trial in my life, and uh, just to say I did it, and I have no interest in ever and doing that's it again. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so for me, it's funny. So you're uh, there's the balancing right now of the promoter hat yeah. and the lawyer hat. Yeah. Right. And and our, so I think my lawyers like me. Sometimes, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure. Okay. Because, no. No. Because, hold on. Why? Uh, I'm going to well, guess it's because be, you, you. Because you there are know moments where the PR side of me or the the promoter side of me says uh, it's the, the Eddie Gossage in yeah. me that comes out says, "Oh yeah. my gosh, I want to do X, Y, and Z." Yeah, yeah. And so one of the perfect examples I give of where that comes into play is as you're trying to figure out how to be relevant, not just in May or sure, or, sure. or whatever else you're ra- racing, trying to find time. How do you make this place relevant 365 days a yeah. year? There's a kid named Nick Gepper who grew up in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and ends up. Um, Winning the winter, uh, the winter Olymp- Olympics bronze in the crazy downhill, you know, skiing thing, uh-huh. and so this is 2014, and I'm now the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is still, still have a hard time to say, right? <laughs> and um, he comes out, and we find out that that it's going to snow when he comes out here. So he, I run into him at a Colts game, and I know he's coming a couple of days later. I said, Hey, can you bring your skis? Maybe we'll pull you around the racetrack. He said, yeah, sure, I'll bring my skis. So it snows like <laughs> it, sn- it snows like five inches. He comes out to the racetrack, and I say, hey, did you bring your skis? He said, no, I left them in the car. And he was getting, he'd gotten, a, he'd gotten uh, recognized on the house floor at the state house and was going to go back and get recognized on the Senate floor. I said, well, why don't you come back this afternoon, and we'll, we'll uh, pull you around. You up to that? He said, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't know what could go wrong. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking, now this is pretty cool. And, it, and at this point in time, he's just done Good Morning America. You know, it's, it's, he's kind of a big deal. So I called the guys in the North End and, and said, hey, can you build me a kicker? 
clean off the <laughs> clean off the yard of bricks and build me a kicker um, that's so that's just on right. the, on the north side of the bricks. And the guy goes, well, what's a kicker? I said, just a ramp. I need like a five foot ramp. Uh, clean it off. I said, but don't take the snow off the racetrack. You got to bring the snow in from somewhere else. Call, call a buddy of mine at a wakeboard shop and say, hey, I need a wakeboard rope. Right. It can, is there a way we can pick it up? Send one of the guys over to get the wakeboard rope. I get my Tahoe. Nick comes back. He says, oh, man, I, I blew the Senate off. The Senate was in recess, and, and I, I'd rather be here than the Senate. Well, in the meantime, I've called, uh, I've called the local NBC affiliate. <laughs> Who has a helicopter they're bringing out. Um, and then as, as it happens, I go, oh, crap. We haven't signed any releases. So <laughs> yeah, I had no hurt. release. And I'm thinking, <laughs> if I call the lawyers to get a release, they'll tell me we don't have a release for this activity, which will mean they'll tell me I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's right. going to take a day. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? And I'm thinking, okay, this is all right. He's, he's, a, he's a medalist. He's going to be fine. I said, okay, so here's – and he brings a buddy with him, which I didn't know he was going to bring. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and, I, and the guy had actually brought me two ropes. So I've got two ropes because he didn't know what kind he wants. So we get, and he says okay, – Nick says, okay, just – 60 miles an hour. I'm like, what? It's like 60 miles an hour. So we've got, yeah. we've got, Let's start out here. We've got, our cam- we've got the camera guys, the video guys in the back, the tailgate's up. I'm driving the Tahoe, and Nick is screaming faster, faster, faster. I'm learning like 65 miles an hour down the back stretch where these guys just yeah, yeah, skiing. We bring them down the front stretch, and they, they hit the kicker. They both let go you know, at the front stretch, 65 miles an hour, and they're doing these flips over the whole thing. Helicopter's above, right? So as we're coming down the front stretch, I'm thinking this is going to be either really, really good or really, really bad. Either way, good. Well, and so I tell people that, and I, I can explain that later, but I tell people <laughs> that if, so I've done stupid stuff like jump out of airplanes, whatever I can do to really yeah, kind to of promote, going, sure. and they, they're like, oh man, why do you do that? I say, well, look, if it goes wrong, just know I'm smiling because we're, we're probably national news at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, right? now it's exactly. <laughs> this is so, viral. So, so Nick and his buddy do this, they land, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, this is really good, and Nick goes, I want to go again. <laughs> so we end up doing three times before yes. I finally say, okay, I've pushed my luck here enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the next morning I wake up and Beth says, hey, have you seen Good Morning America? I said, no. He said, she said, you're on National Good Morning America with Nick Gepper jumping Boom. across the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Okay. It made 70 different NBC affiliates across That's the country. Awesome. But those are the kind of things where <laughs> the lawyer in you says, don't do this. Yeah, the right. promoter in you says, I have to yeah, do this to, because that somehow you have to. What I like is the promoter one. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, <laughs> the evil face one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, good this, is, this evil. makes me evil very. This, this gives me hope for our sport. Well, while we're on the topic, should we go ahead and pitch? Oh yeah. Okay. So we yeah we have some questions, some legal <laughs> sure. questions for yeah. you. Please sure. don't, um, please don't bill us for this. Uh, yeah, about to say, are you? Just no. Is this some pro bono work? I'm no lot. I I'm not licensed to practice in Indiana right now, so okay. this is not legal advice. Okay. 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 Is it fraudulent then if you give us advice? I'm not giving you advice. We're talking amongst friends here. Okay, We're just good, good, dinner. Good. Okay. Having dinner. Totally okay, not so recording. Let's pretend there was a podcast that had an ongoing joke about one of the get the hosts always eating chicken sandwiches, which he definitely does. Which I'm definitely eating definitely that eating right, right now. now. Yeah. Um, and then we decided to do a giveaway of a half-eaten chicken sandwich just to be funny to raise followers on our Twitter account, and we hit our number pretty quickly that we were looking if, for. Hypothetically, if they hit a, if they hit you know their yeah. their whatever number Twitter follower hypothetically one lucky fan would win a half eaten chicken sandwich or five or six or five depending. or six we haven't decided yet yeah but i mean these people by this point we're already either in jail yeah or these people happened mean. yes okay clearly not someone us. might be in jail yeah, yeah. um <laughs> if we sorry if a if, per, if, if a, if a if this hypothetical group with the podcast mailed a listener a half eaten chicken sandwich like and two or three day because they're on a budget yeah right <laughs> we can't overnight this yeah um and that listener that somebody else sent a chicken sandwich to ate it and then got sick what would the podcasts be liable for right (laughs) 
are you going to send it? You got it. You got to come That's with it. That's not us. come with it. Well, whoever's doing the hypothetical right. podcast should yeah. be. There should be a disclaimer. Put a big sticker on the outside oh, of the hey, box. Hey, okay. I'm says, right. We told you you were getting chicken sandwiches, but just don't eat them. Okay. Right. So if, eat them if, at your own risk. If there's a thank you card that literally says, please don't eat this, are they like legally void now? They're off the hook? <laughs> you know, you can sue anybody for anything. Okay. That's what you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know Kevin Buckler? Um, okay. Yeah. That's All good right. to know. So that's good to know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Connor is your step. Connor Daly is your stepson. Yep. So no. I've been married to his mom for 17 years. Okay. So I've known Connor since he was uh, you know, eight years old, seven years old. Wow. Um, have seen him come up through the go-karts, watched he and Joseph run together at uh, and Newcastle and, yeah. and kind of mirror each other's careers going forward. I have some great huh. video that someday I'll use of the two of them in there in their Subarus, uh, where I, I probably was not the best parent, encouraging <laughs> them to go find parking lots so that I could film Let's them go for it. Yeah. sideways in the snow. And, oh. and uh, um, yeah, so it's been fun to watch Connor and, and uh, watch him progress. And growing up as a, as a guy who, A.J. Foyt was my hero, it's, this, his, it's first, his first 500 was with A.J. And, yeah. then to, and to run the full, full season time. with A.J. this year was a pretty neat uh, opportunity for him. You've been uh, president since 2014? 2013. 2013, excuse yeah, me. July 9th. Not that I'm counting. It's a pretty amazing day. You've been part of the track for decades now, and yet you've never kissed the bricks. Never kissed the bricks. And you believe you have to be a winner. So you're I, part, I part really, of a win. I so really think you have to yeah, be. Absolutely. And maybe not if you're just a casual fan and yeah. you've come to the Speedway and you're doing the bus tour. Totally, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in yeah. this sport, yeah. I don't think – I mean, you have to be a winner to kiss the bricks. I agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so for me – you know, I'm not ever I'm not owning a team again, probably. So I'm not. Yeah. So, but if Connor Daly wins the Indianapolis 500, I will. That'll be. Your I will yeah, I kiss the bricks alongside yeah, a Connor. Yeah, right? that yeah, one. Yeah, like, yeah. how many soccer practices did you have to drive to? You know, like. Well, fortunately, he didn't play soccer. Right. Which, <laughs> but which was trips good. to Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of exactly. lot of go kart races yeah. we went to, and yeah. and uh, he played lacrosse for a little while. And there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's for me. I just. Those bricks are meant to be kissed by somebody that's won at this place. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, yeah. we both agree with that. All right, so biggest thing that Connor did as a kid that annoyed you as a dad, not as a racing <laughs> anything. Here we go. Just like shoes on the floor. Like and you will get a chance to review this. Yes. So I don't know that it's annoying, um, but the biggest <laughs> thing that I remember that you go, oh, my gosh, Connor, come on. Um, and he still does it to this day. Uh, he, he lives with Rossi now, but he's home a lot. And – uh, the base, he sort of adopted the basement as he got older. It's where he lived. And, okay. and, and sure. uh, Connor, Connor's one of those kids that was just super set in his ways. Everything had to be the same. Never liked change. And we redid the basement one year. And he's like, oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. I'm never going to leave my room. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and we redid the basement. And then he left. And it, he, and it just. It was in. Yeah. And then every, you know, the number of race car drivers that have spent the night down there. And we've taken in, uh, like, Patrick McKenna from, uh, from, from Ireland when he was over here. Lived in our, yeah. ba- just people this, and became this he he was into Halo and all the different games. Yeah. Oh, right. right. Yeah. You go to bed and Connor is about as loud as they get at screaming because he's got his headsets on. Yeah, he does, yeah. and he's scream and he's like, "Come on, dude, we're trying to sleep. I don't care that you can sleep until that. I got to get up and you know, right. it's two in the morning." And he's screaming at travels right up the stairway and you just hear. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that it was annoying. It, it was actually in a way, it was like, "Okay, good, he's home. You know, he's here." Not yeah. causing um, trouble, yeah. yeah. But it was but it was one of those things where he just and he just it's really animated and he would just get so loud and so he's that kid on halo <laughs> and still okay. today okay, if he plays with we, his brothers he yeah. is loud on right on that's the games awesome. he's right. just totally okay. into him yeah so with uh connor's dad being derek daly who yep. is in the same exact industry you work in yep do you get along 
like you guys do holidays? Or? No, we don't do holidays. No, okay, um, fair. And, you know, we're not best friends, but we have the same, I think we both have the same goals in mind for Connor, right? right? And right. and as his racing career, especially early in his racing career, um, I really focused more on the non-racing side of things. So I, I was always doing school events with Connor, helping him study. His last semester in high school, he homeschooled because he was traveling so much. So he, I can't tell you how much geometry Absolutely. I did with Connor yeah, trying I to get that through. Yeah, 10th grade. So, so working, working through all that. And, and his dad really managed the racing, uh, the racing side of things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably more involved with racing now than I was back then, but yeah. it's still, it's, it's Connor and his, you know, his dad's. Yeah. And that, you think, you look at most race car drivers, right? You know, yeah. They, yeah. they have that relationship with their dad, especially sure. race car drivers whose dads were race car drivers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we see each other in the paddock and sure. pit lane and he's a, he does the, he covers for one of the local stations here. So we ah, see right, him at yeah. every press conference. So he does all the things. Sure. Yeah. There's, I mean, because you're not really on the series management side, it's probably mitigated, but there's a potential for conflict of interest with, with Connor being out there. Is there a way you try to balance that or make <laughs> it very clear that you are president first and, you know, stepdad so later? So this yeah. sounds like my conversation with my wife at home. She's okay. like, well, <laughs> you're a stepdad. I said, yeah, except. It's this balancing act. And so I probably am, I'm probably overly conservative as it relates to what I, how I. In terms of presenting that conflict and bias. Yeah, correct. You know, for me, I don't, I don't want anybody to ever say that Connor's it's doing that because it had anything to do with well, that. Well, I was going right. to say, like, yeah. between Derek Daly and you, it, there's a lot of ways to make it say, like, he's getting things that, that he didn't earn or whatever. Sure. Uh, so, so, you know, there, and, and there probably was a point in Connor's career where he got things early yeah. that maybe he hadn't earned because of who his or dad connections was. connections into it, sure. But the thing about our sport, and you know this, Ryan, I mean, the thing, it, it, there comes a point where people go, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You, you have you, to deliver. Yeah, you have to yeah, deliver exactly in the right. seat. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's... And the one thing for you know, Connor doesn't have money, right? right. So it's right. not like he's buying rides; he's right. getting rides based on, on his ability, and that's even at some level in the sport is a disadvantage. Money is so important in the sport yeah. anymore that, yeah. and it's a, and it's probably the most frustrating part about the sport is, it's a, one of those sports where, I mean, you still have to have some talent with mm-hmm. the money, but it doesn't always mean in our sport that the guy with the most talent gets the ride, and and uh, you know, Connor's at a point now where he really has to get those rides on his own. There's yeah. not much we can that do. Is. Not many opportunities either. Right. So. And there aren't, there aren't a lot no. of opportunities right now. All right. Okay. Well, given uh, not to get too into the political side of the sport, but um, given your current role and, of course, your role with, with Panther, you know, we're, we're in an era where we're very customer-based. You know, you're buying a car. It's homologated. This is what everybody's going to run. And so you're buying things off the truck. There's not really an opportunity for development. But that also creates a lot of the cost burden being on the teams. To, to go out and fund this stuff and therefore that's where gentlemen drivers are coming in and it's only going to become more so it's all done in this cognizance of trying to maintain costs so we're trying to keep costs low therefore if we meet supply and demand everybody mass produce everything can stay cheaper theoretically but therefore the cost burden is always on the teams which i believe are the least equipped to go out and fund these things do you think that's the healthiest direction right now for the sport to be in so i fell in love with the sport obviously my dad was in it so i grew up around but i really <laughs> fell in love with the sport in the late 70s in the early 80s when there were five different chassis yep. and the cars changed every year. Yep. Uh, the three of us could sit here at dinner tonight and go, you know what, we're going to run the 500 next year and we could yeah. build a car in yeah, our garage. Pull all this together, yeah. And that yeah. was a really cool story. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's the part of the romantic side of you wants to say, man, we got to have that again. Right. The thing that I think is, is more important, especially here, is the safety component of it. And when you have somebody like a Delara or what, or you have a single manufacturer of at least the tub and some of the, some of the more major components of the car, 
we control a little bit better. It's racing, so you don't control it, but you have a better idea of, of the safety of the cars. You can make sure that the most important thing to me is that my fans are safe, right? Mm -hmm. So you can control that or try and control cars from flying like we had a few years ago. Keep the speeds in a, in a place where not only are the drivers safe, but you know your fans are safe. You're not, you're not putting cars in, in fences and, and worse. So for me, the bigger issue around it is just the fact that we can ensure that safety a lot better than we can work. Because if the three of us decided to build a car, who knows what it looks like, right? Even if it's, even if it's a tub you get from Delar and you can do your own bits and pieces right, right. to it. We have this debate all the time internally at yeah. the Speedway and with IndyCar. How important is a track record at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? That's exactly And for me, part. it's important. Right. I mean, I grew up, and that was why you came here, to see how right. fast they're going. Yeah. And that was the exciting part about the idea that we were thinking we might get to a new track record by 2016. And then we had the, we had the Friday and pole morning incident in 15, I guess it was, and we just said, okay, let's back well, off here. And so that's yeah. exactly my question is, is more than probably anybody in this world, if we start saying, let's go for 240 laps, knowing that if somebody gets it wrong and the arrow goes wrong, they're going to go flying in a really, really bad way. You're going to have that on your head more than most, if not anybody in the world. Where is that comfort level for you as far as saying, we need to go faster, we need to set the world record, and we need to do that versus, well, we could do some real serious damage if, if we get that wrong. I don't want to, so as much as I love to promote, yeah. I don't want to be that guy standing up there sure. trying to explain and answer questions why something went wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so not to say it couldn't go wrong now, because it yeah, could, right? Somebody, I mean, it's right. racing and all those right. things could, but, but if, you're, if you're letting that component of it uh, get out of control just because you want to say you broke a track record right. and you hadn't really thought it through <coughs> is, is, is tough. And, and you know, I was on the PR side. I was actually in, in Vegas when, when Dan got killed. And just kind of managing through that week, this, the memorial service we had down here, the way the fans, they're outpouring what they did at Gate 1. And, and right. then... Um, you know, when uh, when Justin got killed, um, yeah. Mark and I announced it here at the Speedway, and even Brian Clausen. Yeah, I got a yeah. call from the USAC guys and said, hey, would you mind helping yeah. us announce this thing? Yeah. And there's nothing worse than announcing that, except yeah. maybe having to explain why you did that to one of your customers. Yeah. So, you know, I can't imagine having to deal with that. So safety is the most important thing we, right. the most so important thing we worry about. Kind of, and I don't want to interpret for you, but kind of defining that, I mean, to me, priority one seems to keep the cards out of the fence. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep I them mean, on the ground and keep them out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw it with Dixon, right? I mean, yeah. just how far those cars oh, yeah. can fly as fast as they're going. Yeah. Um, and and that's one of those ones that you haven't seen an accident like that around yeah. here, right? And, and right. that's the thing about it. There's the cars flying is something that hadn't been tested in the wind tunnel. You didn't know. Yeah. And you, you know, you, it's it's the weird stuff you're not prepared for exactly. that that'll get you. So you try and just make sure you're doing it in a way that's that's uh, that's reasonable, and then you've thought through the the consequences. Our fans don't reasonably expect to come here and not be able to leave. <laughs> right, right. Kind of on a similar subject, but different side of it. How do you guys handle the security threat or possibility for an yep. event this big? Because it's the biggest single-day sporting event on the planet. Yep. That's got to be something that gets threatened on a regular basis because it's obviously, you know, so many people in such a small right. area. You know, the question I get the most anymore is, you know, what keeps you up at night? And people assume that I'm going to go right to the the terrorism thing. And, right. and really, it's weather. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw it at Pocono. We've seen it. it the weather's so unpredictable. And this place is so big. You could have a storm in Terre Haute, and it could be sunny here, and the storm coming at 60 miles an hour. It's going to be here an hour. 
what do you do? Yeah. I mean, when, yeah. do you, when do you get people out and trying to figure out ways to communicate to, to our customers so that they can take some responsibility over what their comfort level is, how long they stay? And, and the one thing we know is people won't leave as long as something's going on on track. Sure. So, so if you were to shut down racing when it's sunny outside, what's that do? How do you explain that yeah. to a fan who's yeah, ticked yeah, off? Right. So weather the, is, the, is the hardest one. And we've been doing concerts more and more lately. And so we've had a couple weather incidents right. where we've had to manage through that and, and, and it, not quite the scale of what it would be for the 500. You know, in 2013, when the Boston bombing happened, I was chief operating officer, hadn't quite been president yet. The Boston bombing happens, and we're all like, okay, what, what do you do? Kentucky Derby is really the first big event before us sure. after Boston bombing. And they, um, no coolers. You couldn't even bring video camera bags inside the whole nine yards. Right. And so we start thinking, well, do we eliminate coolers? A cooler at the Indianapolis 500 is so much a part of the experience, experience for 80% yeah. of the people yeah. that come here. Yeah. That even if we said, hey, we're going to eliminate it because we feel like it's a threat, our fans will look at us and no, you're not. You're eliminating it because yeah, you're yeah. greedy. You want yeah, your you money, money. You want blah, blah, blah. And when in reality, we couldn't serve 300,000 people. Right. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not possible. It's just not possible. Yeah. So, we, so the coolers at some level help us yeah. you know, ser serve the rest. But we also knew that we had to do something. So we started thinking about how do we check coolers. And it, you guys probably you may or may not remember, but that race, battle, it was Connor's first 500. Yeah. And I get a call about, I'm down talking to fans, I get a call about 11.25 to meet in Pagoda Command, which is uh, upstairs in the Pagoda. I go up there and all of our video boards are watching and our gates are just backed up like crazy. Yeah. People aren't getting in. You start, people are mad. They've been waiting in line for an hour. The, it's a disaster. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out how do we manage through this. And, and in my mind, the, the best 30 minutes of the entire year are the 30 minutes before the green flag drops. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And if, and if, and if you you're custom, because, so it's not, hey, you gotta get the customers in before the races, you gotta get them in before the pre-race starts, because that's yeah, what yeah. it's about. And, and so you're, so we're trying to deal with that. So I run down real quick just to say good luck to Connor as he's strapped in and, and go back up and we're trying to figure out what happens. Fortunately, the race is outstanding, TK wins. Yeah. So there's a lot of people excited about it. And, and we sort, sort of flew under the radar for a little bit, but then it, when the race is over, then local media starts picking up this huge disaster in the morning. We'd already set a meeting for Monday, Memorial Day. I had a whole team. We brought Populous in uh, on that Monday to think about how do we fix this so it doesn't right. happen again. And I talked to one of our lawyers, not an outside lawyer, not one of our inside, uh, and said, you know what? You can't say this is your fault. And I said, yes, we can. And we're going to say this is our fault because, our, first of all, our fans will give us a pass if they know we own up to it and we right. say we're going to try yeah, and fix it. It's real, yeah. Um, the lawyer in you says, oh gosh, don't set yourself up to get sued later and, yeah, and they're yeah. going to use this against you. I'm like, How, this, it happened. We got to explain, hey, we're right. sorry. This is so, so we come right out and say, this is all on us. Yeah. I like the, the one part of that story I like again is that the PR guy won. Like the lawyer said, don't own up to it. Get PR, over yeah. yourself. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying. down over no, there. No, no. Now but, he's but, just going to, everything's yeah, going to be like, we're doing this. <laughs> we're like, no, we're in jail now. <laughs> the, the, the PR guy will it, ultimately always win, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the story because will come out and, it, and you eventually, yeah, it's, it's, it's like caught. all these guys that admit to part of it. Yeah, it's, it's like, dude, just admit to it all right now. And the story will be shorter and we'll be able to manage it. And then when it, and eventually they're going, okay, you were right. How do we fix it? So I've got sort of a security related question, if that's okay. Um, so like I was at this year's uh, 500 and, and Vice President Mike Pence says he's going to come to the race. <laughs> this isn't a political question. It's a hassle question mm -hmm. of like when, when somebody from the White House shows up, now there's a whole new level. He had to close off one of the gates that was just his entrance. I remember sitting, standing here on pit lane and we were all roped off. We couldn't cross over because they had to let his cavalcade go through. Is there a side? It's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, 
the nice thing about Vice President Pence is he's been to 30 plus Indy 500. Yeah, so this right. wasn't a stunt for him. Right. It was the course. fact that yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, what yeah, his it's family did. Sure. If it had been a stunt, it would have been an awful lot more of that up. Oh, come on. Don't yeah, use yeah. us that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was it was as taxing as anything I've been through for our for our staff. Yeah. Because there's so many Secret Service for yeah. a couple of weeks that come in and and Secret Service is used to going in and saying this is what we're doing. Yeah. And then our team would push back and going, you know what? You We've do done that. this for a hundred years yeah. like this. We're not changing yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And so we go through this whole battle, and then we found out that he was going to fly into. His team was going to have him fly into Indianapolis International oh, and motorcade over. Yeah, yeah. Which meant that traffic yeah. would stop. Yeah. So. I went to D.C. and um, actually went to meet with him, and I actually got a little grief on Twitter. I took Carter with me, and I, I posted a picture of Carter, uh, Carter and me with, uh, uh, with, with Vice President Pence in his office, and I had people say, I'm never following you, the whole ah, you know, the bitterness, yeah, yeah, the whole right, thing. Right, yeah. uh, I couldn't really tell them what the story was, right. um, but we went in to say, hey, we're excited you're coming, but, but can yeah. you help us with this with this motorcade yeah, thing sure. and as I said I don't think your team really understands because they're secret service guys right they're not Hoosiers they don't know sure. and he said absolutely I don't, I don't want that because I, because what will happen is everybody will know that's me and he yeah. said you know look here's what we'll do we'll fly, into Colum- we'll fly into Columbus which is where he was from anyway he said I can go to dinner before I go home with some family and friends and we'll helicopter into yeah. we'll helicopter into Indy yeah. I was like awesome this is perfect and then so the next day that's solved but then the challenge was, what do you do with him? And his team was like, well, we want him to be in the Pagoda so he can be on the radio. And we're like, well, okay, well, the Pagoda, then you got a 300-foot blast zone. and you gotta. So we just sort of worked through it and got to the point where we, you know, he was over in the VIP suites in turn two, and, and he got his track lap. Um, See, so yeah, I said, well, well, we'll do the track lap when we get there. He said, no, you'll do the track lap at this time. If it, and if you're not here, we can't do it. We got ABC. It's, yeah. And they, it, it worked out fine. It was a lot of work. Um, and I think if he decides to come back next year, it should be a lot easier because people yeah, have been here and they've the seen system. it. But right. the, the, the real good thing about that story is that Vice President Pence knows how important this day is for so many people that yeah. are here. The last thing he wanted was people to think, you screwed this up guy. my favorite yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And that's yeah. because, he, you know, he grew up here. He'd been to 30 yeah, right. or something. Yeah, he's, right. yeah, I think his wife's actually been to more than he has. Oh, that's cool. Fair enough. So what is something that you now know way too much about because of this job? Like, is it how many French fry bags you have to buy for Indianapolis or pounds of ice or how the concrete cures? And So I, I laugh a lot about, you know, um, Beth will say, what would you do today? I said, big time auto racing. <laughs> yeah. And just the stuff you end up doing. Right. And the stuff that people see of me is the stuff I post on Twitter, which is typically the fun stuff, right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, Project 100 was a, a project that I got to oversee, and, and um, I probably know a lot more about steel and, you know, all the and um, asbestos issues. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. With a, really, yeah. with a really old facility as you're trying to go, okay, how do you bait this asbestos and lead paint? And, oh, my gosh, it costs this. And how do you make sure that it's right? Because right? we got to right. follow, you know, follow those uh, those laws. You, you learn an awful lot about, uh, you know, liquor laws and how right, you know, right. all the different things that relate to um, uh, putting an event on. So there's a lot of things that aren't the glamour side of sure. it, um, but are 90% of what you do during the day. I spent one of the nights uh, during the night before the LPGA kicked off with the guys um, out there, and they would work from basically 5.30 to 4 in the morning, right, because they, they the rest of the time you're on the course, yeah. and then out hand-watering because you don't want to use the sprinklers sure, and, sure. and just yeah. all the stuff you learn about how the grass grows <laughs> and why we want to cut it this here's direction. Where it's at, yeah. right. Okay, we're going to speed the greens up, and here's how we're going to yeah, – so those are the things you learn that – it's cool, though. Right, yeah, yeah. that's neat. I, there's not been a day 
that I haven't gotten up in the morning and said, I can't wait to go. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's a awesome. cool place. Yeah. And it, it, that's real. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. a lot of people say that, but, but I'm pretty sure you're living it. Monday morning after the 500 or the Brickyard, what's the weirdest thing discovered in the snake pit? Oh, my gosh. Um, the Brickyard's less anymore, right? Because not, there's not the party in the infield like the okay. snake pit. In the snake pit, you find everything in there. Sure. I don't know that there's anything necessarily that's weird. I mean, it's like other racetracks. You find cars and <laughs> right. Burn you know, things you don't want to find, right? Yeah, right that, exactly. Things that have gone on out there. You're like, okay, this is... Um, yeah. <laughs> It, it, the biggest thing that, that the biggest part is you just realize how 30,000 people in the snake pit can just completely destroy grass. It smells like a barn and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, those are, those are the challenges and just cleaning the trash up, but there's not. When you say cleaning the trash, you mean trash or actually like picking people up and trying to get them out. You know, no, clean out the riffraff. Typically, yeah. <laughs> typically the people, the people are gone. Although this year, um, there has to have been like one guy who wakes up the next morning. Well, so, <laughs> so. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do during the year is to go to like Mid Ohio or Road America, um, just because of the way people enjoy those races. Yeah. They go and they camp, they camp and they stay. At the, yeah, so, I mean, polite. those are just proper road courses yeah. there. So, and so I challenged the team last year. I said, you know, the one thing we don't have is, and our we had an FIA Grade One road course, and, but it's in an oval, and we have this idea that you got to leave the track at the end of every day. Well, that's yeah. why the SCCA that's here for their national runoffs is weird for our team for our team to go what do you mean these people are staying here all night yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for 14 days yeah. you know <laughs> so i said look well, the one thing we don't have is camping let's try it and yeah. so we had about 100 folks camp and i camped out with the folks for, for the indycar grand prix and had a blast for four days and we did a midnight on the bricks tour and i oh, brought a bunch cool. of drivers awesome. over and and we did q and a's at night and just trying to hang out with fans and yeah. then for the 500 the last weekend I, I camped out um in the glamping area where we have this glamping that takes yeah. place yeah. and the night after carb day, so on the Saturday morning up to, up to the race, I have some ladies. I'm, I'm getting – I've come out of my little travel trailer, and I'm I, I stay in this little tiny travel trailer, and, I'm, and some lady comes up to me and goes, hey, 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 there's somebody in the bathroom. I went in the bathroom last night, and there are these, you know, the mobile bathrooms, and, and I, all the only – it's the same person, and the reason I know is because it's the same big fat feet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's – and, and I, I, think, I think she's dead. <laughs> I said, if you looked, you said, no, but the feet are in the same spot. And so I call security. Security comes over, open the thing up, and, and, I, and we had an ambulance coming because we're sure somebody's dead, right? And I'm yeah. like, how, how, how do I get into these things? It's, you know, it's, the night, it's the day before. They get ready for the, uh, the public driver's meeting, the whole nine yards. Um, our security guy comes out, and he's walking with this really still drunk man, huge yes. heavy man. Right. And he'd just gone in the, in the stall, didn't realize it was a women's, and has passed out. That's, passed out that's where I'm sleeping. And that's where, <laughs> at, and he, he didn't wake up until the same lady realized that it was the same fat feet that were in there the night before. Um, but those are, those are some of the fun stories that you get. Kind of on the same guidelines of like the snake pit and the crazy stuff. Do you have a jail here? Is there like Indy 500 jail? <laughs> we have a lot of police officers here. We do have mobile holding cells. Holding cells. Yeah. Okay. And is it like a cell or like a drunk tank? Or a yeah. Okay. What's yeah, yeah. the dumbest reason somebody got locked up? So, so I love our police officers because they say you can be drunk or you can be stupid, but you can't be both. So you, you and I, and I've seen. I gotta write that down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they and they get it right. People come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway whether it's a practice day or carb day, a qualifying or race day. A lot of them not for the race, but for the experience. Yeah. And they drink a beer and they get drunk and they have a good, or they want to be stupid with their buddies. But yeah. the first time I came here, I was uh, I think I was like 
nine years old. My dad and I drove up from Atlanta. It was the year Villeneuve won, like yep. the last year of the, the champ car yep. cars or whatever. And we're driving down whatever the street is, like right across George the street. Yeah. Yep. And there, we drive past a house with like a little pit chain link fence around it. Yep. And it was the front Full of yard. Beer cans. Fear of Bill, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. four feet deep. I could not believe what well, I was saying. You know why they do saying. that, right? It blew my mind. Because that, that it was a lady that lived there, and she she would leave in May because she drove her crazy, yeah. and she would put a big fence around it because she didn't want anybody walking her yard. Right. And so people figured that out, and it became yeah. you know people the fans you know oh, had yes. their beers, and that's where all the beer cans in. There was <laughs> plenty of beer cans, <laughs> yeah. so clearly you're going to have people having a good time here. Right. But the police understand that. The police understand it, and I've seen more patients out of police officers. Um, yeah, there's stuff that it just it, you know when they just. When people just talk back and just won't, and the officers yeah, continue yeah, to just yeah. give you opportunity, give you opportunity, give you opportunity. Yeah. And and uh, we had a guy, um, a guy by one of the, so so our yellow shirts are our safety patrol yeah. here, and they're legendary for whistles and yelling. And oh, actually, oh, yeah. we know. <laughs> and, and actually, the cool thing about this this week with SCCA here is I've had so many people come up and go, oh, my gosh, it's the friendliest racetrack we've ever been to. Your, your yeah. safety patrol guys are unbelievable. Yep. And they get it because they're pa- the, the guys and gals that are, le- that are left and that we continue to hire are, are passionate about this brand. They sure. want people to have a great experience. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, I was in the pagoda here, and I left, and then my wife was looking for me. She came down, and she said, hey, it was after hours. She said, there's some guy upstairs, and he's got a bat, like one of the gold badges, which are, are um, yellow shirts when you get to a certain level. You got uh, a gold yeah, badge. Okay. Right. She said, I'm talking to him. I said, who are you? And he said, oh, I'm just checking out. I bought this at an estate sale. <laughs> So he bought it in an estate sale, and then he and then he had a he had a car that he wanted to take out on the yard of bricks to take a picture of, and he's using this thing. And the yellow shirt's like, oh, he's a gold badge. He's okay. So he's driving right out there. Right so that's sir. sort of the dumbest thing, right? And, yeah. and he, but what was really dumb is he told my wife I bought it in an estate sale. Who then told me? Who then I told safety patrol. Right. And then by and that then, time yeah, yeah. he yeah. was trackside. But then it was like, okay, dude, it's, it's yeah, time yeah. to go. All right, you had your fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, was he was he a dick about it? or Was he like, oh, I got it this no, far? No, I've gotten probably fifty emails from him since apologizing. This is the greatest. Oh, okay. I love this place yeah, more yeah, than yeah, anything. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. Um, I'm so sorry. I mean, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was yeah. Fine. It was fine. Yeah, but <laughs> I paid good money yeah, for this. I this is an estate sale. <laughs> uh, it's a gold badge. Is there a is there a, like a record that you keep track of? Like who is uh, what's the longest consistent run of a ticket holder here? So it's really hard for us to it's really hard for us to accurately know. Sure. Um, so if you look, if our records are pretty good back to World War, the, the, right after World War II. Right. So when the Holman family but bought the, the buyout, speedway. yeah, yeah, yeah. But after that, or before, before that, that, sure. We don't. We really don't have any records. So but that um, means that there have been. That you're basically saying there's a bulk of people that have been coming since the buyout so, and never missed. So Bill Marvel. Um, who was the PR guy at USAC forever, um, has been around forever. Bill Marvel says he's been coming since like 1938, 37. Wow. So there's a guy. And then I went out in the turn one on race day this year with a guy who claims this was his 91st Indy 500. Wow. And he was there with his son who claimed it's his 63rd Indy 500. Right. So right. And, they have, they have, and the people in the he's, – he's uh, halfway up uh, in, the, in the southwest vista. And, and the people think he's – a rock star there right here's yeah. this guy that's been there forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever and ever um you know i, I don't know it's yeah. it's hard to no, tell I understand. so yeah. so but there's a there are a lot of people it's fun i get calls from people i've been to 25 i've been to 30 i've been to 40 and so so you know this year was my 40th or 41st uh, in a row i'm a newbie i mean <laughs> yeah, uh, right. i call right. people at night that are 60 70 75 years yeah. uh, that have been coming to the indy 500 it's yeah. crazy how long people have been coming yeah. to this race 
you always have celebrities here that are endorsing the event or here just to take right. it in. Who's the biggest pain in the ass that you've had to deal with that was a celebrity that wanted to come be a part of the show? The the biggest the biggest pains we we've had a couple of um soap opera stars who okay who have been really really difficult uh to deal with. I wasn't here when Lance Armstrong was here, but there's a there's a lingering effect that Lance was pretty difficult when he was here. I don't Interesting. know I, I don't know if in fact that was the sure. case. My okay. guess is that today he would probably be a different Lance. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um Interesting. But for the most part people that come are they love being here. Right. And, yeah. and it's you know, it's, you're, you're talking about the PR, the drivers being the best PR people. Yeah. Oftentimes they are, right? And you have to get through that PR person to get to the driver. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and a, oftentimes when you're dealing with a celebrity, you're dealing with a handler who's yeah. really difficult. And you think, man, this guy's going to be a jerk. Yeah. And yeah, then they get fine. here and they couldn't yep. be better. Yep. And, you know, that's really what we've dealt with is people. And then they, and they don't understand celebrities that want to see it and have never been here. You, just, you can't explain what race morning is like yeah. until yeah, you're yeah. really here. Yeah, yeah. And, and people just fall in love with it. Yeah. And, and, uh, the relationships you continue to have with people who've come and want to come back. And right. so for the most part, the, the, the more known the celebrity is, it seems like the easier they are. To deal <laughs> right. With. Yeah. Right. So for the most part, there haven't been any real gunslemans that we had here for the 500. Um, anybody you've gotten to meet through this position that you were like, wow, I'm shaking hands with this person because of the job. I, you know, I, Growing up, just being an AJ Foyt fan, to me, yeah, every yeah. opportunity I get to sit with AJ Foyt or have AJ poke me in the chest or say, "Hey, come sit in the truck for a minute," you know, or, or Larry say, "Hey, AJ's in the truck, go say hello." I mean, to me, that still is really yeah, that's awesome. It's yeah. really a cool <laughs> moment, and just to sit and listen to AJ talk and, and and what he meant to our sport and what he did in our sport. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. still to me, I, that's I, I could do it all day long. And, right. And I, I was talking earlier about. Mario invited me to go to the Clio Awards where he got Man of the Year in, in New York City in, cool. in May. It was Tuesday or Wednesday of race of qualifying or qualifying week, I think. Maybe been race week. I can't. It was, but it was right there in the middle of craziness in May. And I thought I, I really shouldn't do this. But Mario Andretti asked me to go. How do I yeah, not go to Mario not Andretti? Sure. And and to get to go out with Mario on his plane from Indy to New York, and then or some Zach Brown and some others were with us on the way out. But then to go back, it was just. Doug Bowles and Mario Andretti on a plane on the way back, you know, in the in the dark, and thinking normally I'd be I'd want to get some sleep now, but I just want to soak in yeah, Mario's stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, just loving the sport so much, and 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 he's one of those guys for me that when the split happened, you know, Mario was obviously on one side, and and the Speedway was sort of on another, and Mario was really instrumental in bringing the two sides together. And at some level, Mario's the best promoter of our sport that we have right now yeah I mean, people still know his name oh, yeah. and still gets in the two-seater and is driving it yeah. you know all yeah, the time yeah. and and he will go out of his way to do things to make the sport better and you can call mario up and say hey mario i need you to do x y or z and he does it with a smile on his face he just wants to help the sport grow and so i grew up a foy fan and he and i joke about this and foy fans didn't like andretti right sure, you, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. It, it, you didn't like aj and sort of mario you hated mario and yeah. and for me to get to the point where getting to know AJ, which is really cool, but just to really understand how much Mario's meant to our sport and then see how Mario has, in a different way than AJ has, continued to invest to make our sport better. So right. it's it's pretty neat. He actually tweeted at one point, um, maybe in 20, end of 2013 or 2014, just randomly, uh, you know, you got to love the passion that at J. Douglas 4 has for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Proud of him or something. Yeah. It was one of those things that's like, oh, my gosh. Screen grab. Yeah, yeah. Screen grab. Yeah. 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 How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it's still really the, 
yeah, it, it's it's probably you know right. getting a chance to get to see those guys with their guard down a little bit. And, yeah, and, you could have said like stories. any of the people you get to meet every year at the 500, and you pick people from the sport. Right, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. So you can't mention names and Indy uh, without mentioning the famous Robin Miller. Um, we're going to be hanging out with him later. Yep. And uh, what's the attitude with like Robin Miller a- in- involved with the Speedway? Because obviously he's a diehard fan of the sport, but he's also very opinionated and at times have been at odds with people involved in an IRL and the Speedway and yeah. things like that. So Robin is obviously polarizing. Yeah. Um, but over the last 30 years, there has not been a better – ambassador and I don't mean it in necessarily always talking about the good thing but an ambassador for getting the story out and talking about our sport and advocating for our sport or, or against it but at least giving people a reason to be passionate about it than Robin Miller and um, even in the early days of the Indy Racing League when Robin was so was so anti uh, Indy Racing League and was really on on the cart side of things he still was could just continue to talk about our sport and and I don't agree with everything Robin says all the time yeah um, but Robin understands our sport. He takes the time to get to know people and build relationships and builds right. and 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 write stories and cares. Uh, there just there hadn't been anybody more passionate about it than Robin. And um, again, like I said, he's polarizing. But at the same time, as a promoter, <laughs> you, you don't come to the Indy 500 or go to an Indy ra- uh, Indy car race or a NASCAR race for that matter to watch people hug each other. You go to Route yeah. Four against yeah. somebody. Yeah. And you read Robin because you love him or you hate him. You right. don't read him because it's like it's always just vanilla. Sure. Right. And so because of that, I think he's he's been great for our sport. And, you know, having him on NBC Sports, people love him and hate him, but they tune in But they want to hear him. And yeah, yeah. I think sure. that's probably why he was so successful when he was at the Stars. People, it's like, he's a columnist, right? And yeah. the columnist, part of what they want to do is make people mad. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I remember just as a, you know, young adult and in college growing up watching Robin. The first time I ever saw Robin Miller was at the Long Beach race in 1988 and went out to Long Beach with my best friend at the time who was an Andretti fan. I was a Foyt fan. So that weekend when you knew it was going to be bad because that was the point in time when AJ wasn't going to win it. You know, he wasn't yeah. going to compete. He was going to barely start at Long Beach. Yeah. Mario might have a chance of winning. And we ended up in the hotel there. The, I don't know what it is, whatever the hotel is in the middle of the racetrack because there was a, a a party that we weren't invited to, but we knew it was going on. So right. it was like, we're going to stand outside we'll and watch everybody come in. Yeah. <laughs> and here comes this guy. And Chris, my friend says, I think that's Robin Miller. He's wearing sweatpants. <laughs> oh, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely Robin Miller. <laughs> and it was the first time that I'd ever seen, we'd ever <laughs> seen Robin, right? We just read all Robin stuff, but here's this guy. I'm like, he's wearing sweatpants. This yep. is like a party and you're right. supposed to dress right. up. And, yeah. Uh, but Robin's just always been Robin, right? Yeah, no, he's set in his ways. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so no, I I think personally I think he's been great for the sport. Uh, we don't uh, you know we're we're here about fun stories, but sort of the business of a track like this. This, tr- this track is unlike anything else. You have you know the biggest event in the year and what five or six kind of major events every year. So you've got the Brickyard, SCCA runoffs are this week for the uh, the first time. Uh, Red Bull Air Racers are coming through. Um, how does the money side of this work? So it's it's ticket sales. It's it, you know are there track rentals going on 360 days a year? Um, I don't. I honestly don't know how how this all works in terms of funding it. Sometimes I don't think we do either. Right. Okay, that's the right. challenge. <laughs> yeah. That's the so. challenge every year is how do you how do you take a piece of property that at one point in time was in the middle of nowhere that yeah. now has an entire city, city that's grown up around it, and right. the property value is you know you start yeah. arguing what's if if you sold this was worth. Um, 
which by the way, so people don't think that means that this family would never sell this place. I've never been around a family that's more committed to a facility, an event, and a series than the Holman George family. It's it's pretty remarkable how much they will, how little they take and how much they actually give to keep this thing, to to keep this place alive. But the 500 is really healthy, obviously. We have a lot of people come in, ticket sales, really important. There's all kinds of partners. There's hospitality sales. That event works really, really well. But in this day and age, you have to figure out how do you take those three weeks right and then what do you do with the other 49 weeks during the year so we're always trying to figure that out the brickyard is still a healthy event the way that the economic model works in nascar it works well for us i'd love to have more people here sure um, and we and we continue we've moved the date for next year so hopefully that'll that'll help a little bit um scca runoffs you know part of that was really more let's reconnect with grassroots racing i want to have grassroots racers who at the end of the day, probably aren't thinking they're going to run the speedway as yeah. an IndyCar driver at some point in time. But I want yeah. them to be able to say, you know what, I got, got to run to the it. speedway yeah, yeah. and just reconnect with our brand. And then hopefully, maybe down the road, maybe it's every five years, maybe there's a way we have this event here. Sure. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have a regional race. I wouldn't have a national yep. race. I think that we have to maintain this th- being th- the halo. Th- race there's a point the where you have to yeah. be careful, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, the air race is something that it, it has, is a little in our DNA. We had a national aviation meet here in 1910. So cool. huh. uh, some yeah, of our yeah. earliest drivers, Ray Haroon built two airplanes. Yeah. Well, yeah. what so I like is you immediately had to figure out how do we make this tie into our heritage. Yeah, MotoGP right. yeah. did the same thing, right? There yeah. were motorcycles early on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> so for us, that, that's, that's important. Right. Um, we do some rentals, but not a lot of track rentals. Sure. I mean, the track is our most it's, important it's asset. We have, do a lot sure. of two-seat opportunities where people come out and the indie racing right. experience happens here we'll have where we're sitting right now oftentimes we'll do big hospitality sure. events people come out and they'll have event car rides so they'll ride around sure. in a chevy camaro or malibu or whatever but um yeah just try and do everything we can but but when we're not running it's a thousand acres we have here 275 of it are the racetrack and then we've got another 700 outside of the facility that we yeah. have to maintain it's a it's a lot of work for 150 full-time employees and that's yeah. say, how many full-time staff and how, how does that grow in may so in, in May, if you include um, all of our seasonal, if you include like Levy, the folks that prepare all our foods, yep. if uh, Legends who do, who do all the merchandise, we're 5,000 people on race day. <laughs> and 150 for the rest of the year. Yeah, and we're 150 all year round. Now, yeah, right, right now, we're, we, would, we have part-time people that are yeah, essentially full-time, yeah. except for, you know, like they'll, they'll be done in October and then they won't come back uh, on until sure, end of March. Sure, right. okay. So we'll, we're at 350, the people that are coming in wow. here between us and IndyCar every day. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of people. Yeah, it's but five thousand for, for yeah. the one big day. That's incredible. Well, that's amazing. You know? It's also managing five thousand people yeah. that of right. which like yeah. four thousand and really eight hundred fifty aren't here all the time. And, so. and all it takes is one of those people. Yeah, to decide to do something that upsets somebody, a customer that's really important, and yeah. they don't care that that person only worked one day a year yeah. or two days a year. Yeah. And yeah. I'm getting the you know, so trying to, yeah. and that's the biggest challenge for us is how do you staff on those days when you're trying to hire somebody just going to come here for a day and, yeah. and to get somebody that wants to come smile, take the time to understand yeah. how we want them to treat somebody. And, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge we have and yeah. customer service is the most important thing we do. Yeah. So we do a pass along question on the show. And earlier today we had lunch with Scott Dixon. Yep. You're probably familiar with him. His first name is Ronald. I didn't know that. I don't think, oh. you know, Scott was awesome. <laughs> when we were redoing the road course, the two guys other than Connor, the two guys that were the most helpful were Scott and, and TK. Yeah, sure. And I could call as we were trying to figure out what to do with corners, and I could call them, and, and they would. And TK was living here in town at the time, and Scott obviously lives here. And I can't tell you how many times, how many miles in a Tahoe with Scott, <laughs> with Scott or TK going, yeah. oh, the corner ought to look like this, or let's try this. Or, and the cool thing about that redo for us, since since you've been on it, yeah. is that we had driver input. Yeah. 
to make it a good racetrack. Sure. And, and our road course before that, people didn't have great ratings, right? Right. People felt it was a little Mickey Mouse. You couldn't pass and yeah. all, all kinds of things. I thought, well, the best way to make this work is to let the drivers help yeah. us build it. Yeah. And Scott and uh, Scott and TK were unbelievable in terms of just, it didn't matter. I could call them in the middle of the night and they'd show up yeah. and help me figure things That's out. That's cool. Yeah, he's uh, really, really cool. So uh, Scott had nice things to say. Um, obviously, I guess he spent a lot of time around you doing probably that, but also like promotional stuff, yep. which he was, said you were very good at. Um, his question for you is, what do you do away from the Speedway? What are your hobbies? Uh, cycling and wakeboarding, probably the two okay. things I do the most. Um, I love to cycle. Uh, occasionally get a chance to cycle here. That's Although cool. I, I do like to go home so I can cycle at home and leave right. it at home. But, yeah. but um, cycling here is pretty cool, especially in the dark. It's kind of fun to get out. Um, when Connor was racing in Europe, I'd oftentimes take him to the airport early in the morning when he was home so he could he, so he could fly from here to New York and then head over to Europe and then I'd get back here to the airport get back here to the racetrack at you know 5:30 in the morning right. and, and just bike on the racetrack in the dark that's got to be cool it's so. really cool but you could also creep yourself out when you start thinking <laughs> yeah. about all of the people who've been here and yeah. start thinking about its spirits yeah. and weird stuff yeah. right and yeah. so it's one of those things like oh you know you know Pat Bedard was sure that it was a spirit that caused him to crash when he raced here right and and so then you start thinking about was Pat right is there something weird out yeah. here <laughs> so tomorrow we're going to have lunch with Robin Miller at the cafe. At the 1911 Grill. Yeah, 1911 Grill, sorry. Uh, if you could ask him any question, and instead of him swinging at you, he'll swing at us, what would it be? So so in, in my there's three that come to mind. Sure, we got time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I think it's more than legend here, but, and it's interesting to watch the way Robin is right now with with race car drivers, but... I think in 1981, Robin had an altercation, had written an article about AJ and had an yep. altercation with AJ. Um, and I've never really heard exactly what happened. So the, the legend is that AJ beat the crap out of yeah. him. Um, I don't know. I would love to know what really happened. D did that happen? Or is that something that AJ and Robin, uh, the promoter that Robin is, right? Yeah. It, 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 is that something that they they sort of have fabricated? And, and if, in fact, that happened, how what was the first interaction with AJ after that happened would be, would be one. Um, the other thing I really appreciate about Robin is his love for grassroots motorsport. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I spend a lot of my weekends, if I'm not here, I'll be at a dirt track somewhere. Oh, cool. Um, in fact, I, sp speed weeks in Daytona, I got tired of being at Daytona and didn't want to watch the truck race. So I went to Bubba Raceway Park to watch a sp oh, sprint nice. car race. Right? And, awesome. I, and I do sprint car week here in midget week. And um, Robin spent so much time traveling. I would love to know his, best Larry Rice story. Mm. Um, I was a huge Larry Rice fan as, as, a, uh, as a kid growing up, and I know Robin and Larry uh, did, some, did some racing together. And the other that's probably not a fair question, if, if the world were, if, if Robin knew that the world was going to turn out exactly as it did, um, and we'd be at the same spot today, no matter what, would he... I don't know if that he, but would he have been as supportive of the U.S. Grand Prix in 1996? Ah, that's a great question. So if he if, if he could look in a crystal ball and know that where, where things were today, he was NBC Sports uh, pit, pit side reporter, sort of the sort of the guy now that Kurt's working for the series and mm -hmm. not the yeah. star guy, sort of the guy to go to if you're looking for stories, Marshall yeah. a little bit, but really probably Robin if you're the go-to guy. Um, would he change that? So that's three. Sorry, you only asked for one. No, no, no that's, that's fine. Great. We can hide behind you for all these. Yeah. So. 
That's good. He also wanted to know why you're so mean. <laughs> that was totally his question. <laughs> why don't you dress up ever? <laughs> Ask Paul Fanner. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But speaking of dressing up, I just got to know the suits. You you always have very colorful suits that have some sort of, sort of activity going on. This one's actually, I would argue, fairly conservative for you. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's a good looking suit. It's a good looking suit. No, it's good. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, is, is, was that a choice? Is that is that always been you, or do you think that like that's becoming of of the role? I'm blue, okay. so for me it pretty much has to be blue. And, there, okay. and and if you just stuck with sort of that really traditional boring blue, it gets pretty old. Sure. sure. So for me, I, it's it, there. It's, it's just those different of variations of blue, and and uh, um, I like that's it. Kinda what, that's kind of that's kind of why I ended up to, you know where I end up with the colors. Okay. And it's uh, now it's the thing. It, it's I'm stuck with it. No, it's good. <laughs> 100 <laughs> degrees outside, and I'm the guy in the suit, and and it's it's pretty fun. I mean, it's uh, I mean, people. I think our fans appreciate it. Yeah, because well, they've heard the story. Find, they yeah. know, and they know why. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, for our people that come to the races here, they believe this people, this place deserves a brand that that kind of respect. Yeah, agreed. I don't know if you had any expectations on what the hell you were coming into here, but uh, if there was sort of a Doug Bowles part of the story. What would be the one thing you'd want to get out there that, that maybe we haven't touched on, if there is such a thing? Yeah, I, I think, I just, really what I hope is that, that people understand that, you know, I come to work every day with the idea that I'm trying to make the experience better for them. Yeah. And, and I truly believe that if it isn't for the hundreds of thousands of people that show up here yeah. every year and care about us, this place doesn't exist. And it's the first and foremost thing we have yeah. to, we have to, we have to deal with. And I, Hopefully, just even before that, people hear it in the conversation that that's you know that's why we do this. Yeah. Last year, you guys, you know, there was a period where maybe attendance for the 500 was on the downswing, especially yep. during the split and everything else. Yep. Last year, you guys hit capacity, but it was also the hundredth running. Yep. Uh, this year, you guys were was it uh, how much percentage higher from the, from 2015? So we were 25,000 bodies higher. Than higher 15. than 2015. <laughs> yeah. But you also had a unique story in, say, the Fernando Alonso story yep. or, or just and, sort and of And actually, though, the Fernando Alonso story is funny. So so our ticketing team is really good, especially starting in January. I'll get a, I'll get a report every day that's at you know, 150 days out from yeah. the 500. So we compare. So I can look at 150 days out from the 2017 500. How many tickets did we sell in 2016? How many 15, 14, 13, and so right. on. So you can tell how you're tracking year over year on the days out. So the Alonso announcement happens. We had a tiny spike. Yeah. But for the most part, there wasn't a big lift. Yeah, sure. And, sure. And, when, and then when you broke it down, you said, let's look at the numbers right. or let's look at where people come from. Our international travel was flat with 16. So it was up a little from 15. So maybe those people in 16 decided to come back again because sure. of Alonso. But um, it wasn't as big for attendance as I think people I thought think it might perception. be. It was sure. certainly big for um, when he did his test here, the number of people that oh, watched on, sure. the, on yeah. the stream, the yeah, number of people that, that huge, our, yeah. our website hits were up, yeah. uh, especially our international website hits. So it was huge right. for the event. I don't think it really had a big impact on sure. Race day attendance. Day, yeah, yeah. But there are some challenges. You know, some of the um, some of the more legendary current drivers, the Halios of the world, are sort of phasing out over the next several yep. years. And and you've got, I mean, we've got Connor, we've got Joseph, but um, we've had a very healthy couple of years, I'd say, for this race. But we'll, how do you think we're on target for the next hundred years? <laughs> well, hopefully, 
hopefully we're in, in pretty good yeah. in a pretty good spot. The 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 fact that so really from 2011 through 15 we had really really slow growth, but yeah. we grew year over year from yeah. 11 to 15. 11 was really helpful because that was you know the hundredth anniversary that was helpful. Then yeah. 16 was a big big thing. Of course, we were really worried that 16 was going to be a reason for people to say okay. I made it to the hundred. Yeah. I'm done. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go away. And and so we worked really hard, not just thinking about how do you get to the hundredth, but how do you? The hundredth wasn't an endpoint, right? It was yeah. a springboard to that next hundred years. And so we we changed the way we went. Uh, we did our ticket renewals. We've changed the way that we communicate to our customers. We're trying to give more incentives for people to to, to renew. We're trying to make the content better when people when people are here. Right. So so we are really focused on where the growth is. Where how are we for the next hundred years? I don't know, but I think in the next several we're fine. So our renewal numbers post 2015 in that 500 hour or 2017 yeah. in that 500 hours are better than 2016, <laughs> which tells you that we should have another year where we're continuing to grow the 500. Right. And, and I, you know, I, I feel really good about the 500. Yeah. I think it's in, I think it's in a pretty good spot. It has nothing really to do with, with me or this team. It has everything to do with a fan base that is, that came to the hundredth running and said, you know what, this is why I loved this place. Yeah. Yeah, this place is it's, packed yeah, and the yeah, energy yeah, levels yeah. here. This is why I love this event. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back. Yeah. Right. So hopefully that's where we are. All right. Well, Thanks for enduring this with us. Hopefully it was uh, everything you no, dreamed awesome. of. It w hopefully it was well worth such a setup. No, I'm glad oh it worked. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I kind of feel bad that Dario's sitting there waiting in the car. Yeah, we got to get going. Dario's got to drive us to the hotel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Who yeah. Exactly. Oh, Dario's been waiting in the car this whole time. Frank Kitty. Dario Frank Kitty. Yeah, yeah, no, he's not waiting in the car. No, he's our driver. That'd be awesome. How cool <laughs> would that be? No, he's there. No, he's our driver. Okay, well, good luck with him. I mean, uh, you know, he, we can't get him to drive here anymore, so it's, it's pretty impressive that you guys can get him to drive you to the hotel. The Acura MDX is very safe yeah. and is protective of his current situation. Yeah. So, so that's exactly. why he, we can get him so, on contract. So take him a bottle of milk. He knows what it's like to drink that yeah. here. I was going to say, he likes his wine. Maybe we can take him a bottle um, of wine. <laughs> I'm sure he'd take a cookie and I'd... Uh, Wait, I'd say Continental has to no, check. They do we not. Have it. Yeah, they about do to not. say because I don't think we we can't. No, put we'll that thank on. our friends at Levy for that. Okay, and yeah. thank you, Levy, Chef and everybody. They've uh, yeah, they have definitely gone out of their way. Um, okay, are we going to get a surprise bill that we don't know about? You are not getting you're a you're surprise bill because we can't afford it. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to get Gunselman. <laughs> we will not Gunselman you on the food. In fact, okay. we will. Uh, you know what we could do though? You could call Paul Kelly. Yeah. And say, hey, Paul, thanks for the dinner last night. Doug told me that you were picking the bill up. I'll totally oh, do that. Yeah. I will 100% yeah. do yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, and Doug never showed up. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> That's we, 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 we didn't do anything. <laughs> Food was great. I'm finished. All right, Doug Bowles, everybody. Thanks again to Doug for giving us the time. Uh, also, shout out to Paul Kelly, who helped us set that whole thing up. And uh, I don't know who did what in this exchange, but I think... Paul may have oversold us on uh, on everything uh, because that will probably be the most unforgettable experience we, we may have ever had just in terms of the setup, the dining, the experience. I mean, I have a very special love for that track and uh, 
and nothing can top the experience that Ryan and I had over there. So thanks to Doug, thanks to Paul, thanks to everybody at uh, Levi and and the entire facility for for catering to us so well. But anyway, we will move on. Uh, This next song we're going to close out with is from a group called Justin Allen and the Well Shots, Uh, another group we didn't know, but uh, happy that they submitted and happy to give them a little bit of love. Uh, You can find this and a few other things at uh, justinallenmusic.com. That's uh, Justin A-L-L-E-N music.com and let's waste no more time here's justin and a song called angelina Smelling like the stills And the cumberland is flowing on My head is wandering sound Girl, go ahead, grab your makeup and your dress You will never much ballroom dancer Looking to impress And it seems to me you never needed That stuff much anyhow Just because I'm showing teeth doesn't mean that it's anything like the ones you used to. The heartache that they gave. You ain't fooling one girl, especially now me, babe. She's been talking about for months, hell, probably years. Knew the day would finally come, she'd run from all her fear. With her head stop giving. In my heart to take Leave in the morning with a blessing and a rose And I'm coming for you, babe Some crumpled up paper left a necklace on the couch Note that said I had to get out You're always my favorite I don't mean to leave Don't you come look for me When I turn it over, Greyhound did it say Dallas sign 192681C T and C A. 